Hey, Dat fam, it's Nathan Andrasek. I, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Dragons and Things Vantum. As you know, Vantum is a live Pathfinder actual play. If you're looking for ways to support the show, please follow or subscribe to us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the Dat Network. That's the D-A-T Network. Of course, you might be asking yourself, now Nathan, what's the best way that I can directly support this podcast? And I'm going to tell you right now, it's to rate, follow, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever it is you're listening to us on, just do those things there. And you can dive deep in the world, lore, and characters of Vantum by joining us on World Anvil. And don't forget, Patrons get special access to secrets no one else has. You can find the links in the description, so please just click the things. And remember, if you're loving the immersive sounds and music you hear during our game, you can add these sounds and more when you download the Sirenscape desktop or mobile app. The app is free and comes with 10 sound sets that are included to get you started. 10 sound sets, just to start, and and you don't even need to register. Use the link in the description to let them know Dragons and Things sent you. Anyway, thanks again, and I hope you enjoy the show. Before we get started, I'll say a couple of things, uh, but I don't want to dwell on it too much. First of all, I hope all of you are doing okay. I know that things things are weird. Life is getting... Uh, this is out of hand. And uh, I know it's super stressful and it's impacting all of us together and that that really, it stinks, it does. But we really wanted to be live online because we wanted to spend this time with you and we want to spend this time with each other. And so we're, we're gonna keep going. We're gonna keep doing the show for as long as we can keep doing the show. Honestly, it's <laughs> nice to step away from the world and just play some Pathfinder and hang out with you guys. It's yeah. it's actually, you know, we're, we're happy to be here. Um, to that end, We, of course, Jamie is playing remote today. Uh, She is a type one diabetic and out of an abundance of cautions, she's decided to stay remote. So she's gonna hang out with us on on the TV, uh, but she's still live with us playing uh, and and it'll it'll be a good time. So let's just have an episode of Dragons and Things. I mean, that's kind of what we're just, we're, we're going to do. We're going to do it. Yeah. So let's just have uh, one of those. <laughs> a constant, steady wind blows through the streets of Vantum, carrying eddies of multicolored ash across the city in a wondrous glowing display. In the midst of the chaos that surrounds Vantum since seven, the Seven Towers explosion, even the most savvy Vantumites have failed to notice that the wind is blowing from west to east. Typically, the breeze comes in from the ocean, not off the eastern hills where the city elite huddle in their mansions and wait for news about what they should do and whom they should blame for the most recent troubles. Indeed, this constant stiff wind seems almost to be a shield against the magically charged smoke and ash that rises from the shattered husk of the Tower of Necromancy. A shield for the people of Hollowsong Hills, maintained by expert aerial manipulators making scales hand over fist from the rich who are not assuaged by the city council's insistence insistence that the ash is no danger. That harmless harmless swirling ash blows down across fog downs below, onto the urchins with no homes to remain safely within, with no mothers to look worriedly at the sky and tell them to come in despite their ragged groans of protest. No, the urchins play in this eldritch winter. A dusting of ash coats a little boy spinning with his arms wide in the streets. He stops for a moment and collects a handful of ash in his hands, packing it like a snowball and throwing it at a girl nearby who squeals in delight as it bursts in a rainbow cloud against her shoulder. A whole group of children dressed in little more than rags frolics nearby, 
tossing ash into the air and letting it settle over their dirty cheeks. Several blocks from where the children play, five adventurers find a moment of respite after their most recent exploits. You all have a guest, Dr. Dornell Gage, whom you recently extracted from the crumbling halls of post-mortal services. You were paid for your job, 50 gold scales, so that's 10 each for your efforts. While certainly a great payday for a fledging, fledgling sanctuary, you've been thrust into the middle of quite the event and have, a lot has happened in a very short time. This is the first moment you've really had to yourselves. So what do you do? We'll start with Grace, because I feel like she had, she has a lot to gain from what she's found most recently. You know, ever since your return to the sanctuary, you've spent your time locked in your room, poring over the files recovered from the sub-level of post-mortal post services labs. It's been a frustratingly difficult process to glean anything useful from the pages, as every one of them is very heavily redacted. But the further you dive, the more certain you are that you've stumbled into something important. What you can put together is that the swirling sprite was recovered. All reports indicate the ship was lost at sea, not a single scrap ever found, no survivors, no dead to bury. And that was true for a time, but you realize that the city sent a special task force onto the waters to hunt the ship down. It took them several years, but they eventually discovered the ship. It had been dashed onto the rocks of a remote island, supposedly on its way back to the port of Bantam carrying a cargo of some kind, though its nature has been redacted. What interests you the most is the mention of the survivors and the dead. All names and identifying information have been redacted, but they were brought back to Vanta. Someone in this city knows about your brother, but they and they have known for some time. If you want to spend any more time trying to, to glean anything, you can make a, I would actually, uh, I would say a lore sailing uh, check. You can make a, a check and see if there's any additional information you can pull from the documents. I yeah. find that when I read things, I often, you know, weigh upon my knowledge of sailing to help me read. <laughs> well, I see I'm being called out, but <laughs> like looking at documents related to the movement of ships, she might be able to determine certain sets you know, of you do your that thing. normal you do your people thing. would not. I like it. Oh, there are features. Not all, right. all of us can just glean lore. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, this guy over here. <laughs> the glee lore. So that is, uh, where is my sailing? Oh, that's an 18 total. Ooh. An 18 total. You uh, are looking over a lot of the uh, documents that probably would be passed over. Um, just trying to see what you can about some of the movements uh, on the waters and seeing if you can determine anything about who may have spotted uh, how how uh, who who was sent out to find the ship? When was it recovered? Where about in the waters may it have been found? And you notice as looking looking at some of the dates and some of the um, the movements that you're aware of as somebody who's spent a lot of time on the docks that uh, a name catches your eye, uh, something they forgot to redact. It is tourmaline egg. You happen to know that Tourmaline Egg is the name of a ship. It is not just a code phrase or random collection of words. It is, in fact, the name of a ship captained by a woman no, uh, named Kendra Spades. You know the ship is not in port today, but you do know that it is due for a return in two days' time. Okay. 
that is several hours of work, and <clears throat> and about that time, uh, the rest of the house begins to to sort of come come to life. Um, Sly, I know that you had mentioned uh, mm -hmm. sort of offline that you wanted to go and see an old friend of yours. I do. I want to. I'm gonna get up. Um, you know, as, as we got <clears throat> back last night, uh, Sly kind of locked himself away, cleaning things mm -hmm. up. You know, he had a lot of pus all over him and yep. his own blood. Um, so he t took care of cleaning his armor and his boots, especially. Um, and so now he's he's up and he wants answers. So um, he's gonna throw that, that cloak around him again, kind of pull it up so that, you know, once he kind of hits the streets, he can hopefully uh, just kind of blend in. Sure. Um, but he's gonna make his way over to good old Pockets. Well, if you're looking for Pockets, that means that you've gotta go to Scatterjacks, which is a gaming mm -hmm. hall in Fogdowns, where you know that even at the worst of times, you can find your old friend Pockets whiling away the hours. Yep. If there is anyone who might be able to shed some light on your current predicament, it's old Pockets. On the way to Scatterjacks, you pass by Tas Callum's Brewery. You see a collection of people outside the tavern Candles in hand, all staring at the building's facade. When you get a little closer, you see that the wall is covered in names. Tears make tracks down red cheeks, and quiet sobbing fills the air. You've been very busy since the explosion, but now seeing this crowd, you it sort of hits the the, the tragedy of the situation sort of hits home. This has been a a, a lot of lives were lost, in, mm. and and a lot of damage has been done to the city. Um, <clears throat> it's had a very human toll. Moving beyond that, you make it to Scatter Jacks about 20 minutes later or so, and you find that the gambling hall has a strangely somber place today. Dealers stand at empty tables, and servers lounge against the bar, and only a few people wander around sort of aimlessly. It doesn't seem like anyone is playing or drinking, or even seems to know why they're there. Pockets is in his usual spot at a private blackjack table. He takes a card, and his face goes sour at the results. He's busted but no chips slide across the table. He's not really a customer this place, at least not in that sense. He only plays to amuse himself. The dealer, a heavily muscled elf woman, nods towards you to warn Pockets of your arrival, and his sour face lights up when he sees you. Sly, I heard you got killed in the blast. I bet 10 scales it wasn't true though. Ah, well, I guess you get to collect on the, don't you? It wouldn't surprise you at all if Pockets himself had spread the rumor of your death simply to bet against it. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do? Uh, I, I'm gonna. I'll sit down at the table with him. And, uh, I'll just say, you know, I'm very glad to see that you yourself survived. Though uh, <laughs> I don't know why I would have thought you would have been outside of this place. Uh, as far as I know, I'm immortal. All <laughs> evidence suggests I will never die. True that. I haven't died yet. Don't plan to. Yes, true indeed. Um, I must say, have you? Uh, have you ventured by Task Callum's? Oh, I have. I, I heard. I, I, you know, I, I. It's it's hard, you know. He was not really a friend. He wasn't really anybody's friend, but he was kind of a a fixture, you know, like uh, like your favorite chair. Mm. You only really notice when it's gone. I think a lot of people are having that experience, whether it's with Tass or else. Someone else, um... Pockets, uh... It seems quite odd. Taz does not seem to have been a part of... the explosion. 
His death no, seems to have been no, foreign. He, uh, no, no. I saw him about a week ago. Uh, no. When was the last time you saw him? Oh, uh, uh, maybe five days ago. It was before the explosion. Yeah. Yeah, I was in the brewery. Uh, I wasn't even really there to see him. I was I was taking a trip upstairs. There were some people I needed to talk to. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he was there. He was. Uh, it was during the day, so it was really not very busy. And seemed fine. Really shocked to hear of his his passing. Uh, would I be able to tell if he seems a little off by sharing sure. this? Sure, sure, sure. That will be a perception check. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would, you, you think that there's probably a lot he's not telling you, mm-hmm. but you, he doesn't seem to be holding anything back. Um, he's always not telling somebody something. Mm-hmm. You don't get a, you don't get a bad vibe from it. Okay. You would just guess that, yeah, well, whatever reason he was there for probably had nothing to do with what he's telling you. Right. right. Um, but you don't, you don't. He doesn't have any guilt. There's no like, yeah. Would I know, uh, with, because I have some underworld lore. Yeah. Would I be able, or would I have knowledge of what happens upstairs? Uh, make an underworld lore check. All right. Let's get that dice cam going. We got a plus three to this. So probably not. It's a total of seven. Total of seven. <laughs> um, sure. You don't know nothing. Um, Tass. Well known to be a bit of a uh, experimental pharmacist, some mm-hmm. might say, and a lot of his wares were for uh, imbibing in his in his private rooms upstairs. Uh, people would pay to go up there, and it was it's it's a pretty well known secret that uh, you can. You get messed up up there, and uh, and also there are uh, if, if you're looking if you're looking for company, you can usually find it if you've got a couple of couple of talons in your pocket. Gotcha. Um. <laughs> can we get to Jamie's face? <laughs> uh, so uh, I think I would just I would just say to pockets then um, look. I don't necessarily count. Tass as a friend, but something just feels off about what happened to him. You're a man of rumors. Have you heard any? Well, you know that I am a man of rumors, and you know that that's... that's the business I'm in, Sly. Hmm. Yes. Uh... I pull out a... I'll pull out a... Two silver. Sure. And I just say, the next game's on me, as it were. This'll do. Though, I've heard a few rumors that might suggest you might have something to trade in kind. Oh? What have you been up to these past few days, Sly? Keeping yourself busy, I hear. I would love to know... What's going on for Vantum's newest heroes? Hmm. Yes, well, um, we made a small delivery. Mm. Nothing odd about it, just uh, moving it from here to there. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where was there? Where was here? That's that's the that's the stuff that's worth something. Ah, is it now? Well then let's say that we went from fogs down, fog fog downs mm-hmm. to um it was the, uh, and this is Nathan now double checking everything. That was <laughs> yeah. Seven Towers that we went to, right? That you were in Seven Towers District, yeah. You, you mm-hmm. transported it from Task Hallam's Brewery to a place called Jade Cat mm-hmm. in Seven Towers. Yes. yes. Um, and for, for my map knowledge, uh, what is the area right next to Seven Towers? Ooh, map knowledge. Well, Seven Towers is in the center of the city, so everywhere is next to... Uh. Uh, I want to make it, uh, uh, you know, almost like we would have taken the path. <laughs> I, I, I'm just trying to figure it out because yeah. I'm like, I, I, I don't trust pockets in sure. everything. But here's okay. Here's our, here's our <laughs> lovely map. Here's what we need. Yeah, we're Seven very good at timing. You are in. <laughs> so that's, that's where the jade that's cat the district is. where the jade cat was. Yes. All right. And let's and the district to the northeast. Northeast is fog downs. Is fog downs. Yep. So. Uh, it would be safe to say that if people saw us going through Seven Towers, uh, then if we had gone to the northwest, that would have been which district? That was the that's nice Hollow Song Hill. That's a nice. Hollow that's a Hill. nice place. That's, that's where the nice people. Yeah, that's where the rich people. <laughs> the live. nice yeah. people. Okay. All right. They're all nice. They're nice. They're not nice. <laughs> Most of them are nice, actually. <laughs> that's where they have the nice things. That's where the nice things are. Yeah. Whether the, the people nice are nice. Fancy people. Um, <laughs> Uh, I will just tell him, uh, well, you know, if we started at Tascalum, even, uh, in Fog Downs, but got waylaid by the docks. Mmm, see, that's what I'm most interested in. Who, who would attack the great Sly Gilder? <laughs> well, I wish I knew. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't stick around to count the bodies or name them. But as you can see, there is just me and not they. You didn't see anything out of the ordinary about the people attacking you? Well, I don't know if it was with them or not, but there was some horrible gator chicken that attacked me. (laughs) Ah. It hurt. (laughs) That's worth something, Sly. That's worth something. Is it? Yeah. Is it also worth it to know that the gator chicken is no longer alive? I mean, after all, it did attack the Great Sly Gilder. I imagine <laughs> that it wasn't gonna... Like I said, many bodies, no names. So you wanna know what happened to Tass, huh? That is why I'm here. Well, I know that, uh... I know that he passed, and I knew it before a lot of people did. I know that the story on the streets is that... He fell into the ocean, mm. which, of course, everybody with half a brain knows is absolutely not true. That's mm-hmm. that's just what you say when yes. you don't know what happened. We know there's no body. Can't, can't imagine where that ended up. You don't happen to uh, know anyone who would have wanted this to be fall. Good old task. No, but I am wondering. I'm wondering, Sly, if maybe somehow after that delivery you made, somebody didn't quite like what was going on. And well, after all, that's where you picked up your supply. And 
Hmm. Yes, well, you say much without saying much at all, don't you? <laughs> ah. I think you may have uh, given me more of an idea than I thought. And I appreciate it. As always, if you have any need. I think... I think there's one person who knows what really happened to old Mr. Callum. Oh. And I think you're gonna have a heck of a time finding her. Huh. Yeah. Who might that be? Well, of course, his assistant was always nearby. That is true. I thought I had heard that something had befallen her as well. Well, sometimes rumors of people's deaths are just exaggerations. After all, I made ten, betting you were alive. Lots of people thought you were dead. Always foolish of them to think so. Many ideas, and I thank you for them. Uh... Uh, whatever your next round is, I'll make sure the bartender has it ready. Thanks, Sly. Look, if you do find her, mm -hmm. take care of her. I don't think that she was uh, supposed to survive. Mm. <laughs> Just so we're both on the same page. As, in my line of work, take care of her can mean two different things. Sly. I'm not that guy. We're I think all it was much. dealing with a lot here, and you know, we're... I'm, I'm not an angel, of course, no, <laughs> but... But who is? We don't need more bad news. Um, I thank you, friend, and... Again, these are trying times. If you have needs, please make them known. Don't worry, if I need a hero, I know who to call, Mr. Gilder. Hmm. Wonderful. Um, I'll, I'll walk over to the barkeep. Uh, sure. Lay another, I'm guessing, silver down. We'll cover, mm -hmm. more than cover it. Sure. Um, and just say, for him, next round. Cool. Well, all that's going on. Zakaz's been up. She's been on on the move. Uh, a little offline, you let me know that you wanted to, to travel to your old stomping grounds. Yes. So you, uh, bright and early, make your way east to the east end of the city, avoiding Seven Towers entirely and skirting around to the gate between Hollow Song Hills and Fog Downs. When you get into Hollow Song Hills, there is a jarring change in the atmosphere. First, you see only a smattering of rainbow ash that virtually coats everything on the lower city. You see street cleaners working their way across the district in heavy jumpsuits, sweeping up any errant ash into carts they're wheeling through the streets. There are very few residents about, likely nestled in their homes, but their servants are everywhere, doing their best to sweep away all evidence of the recent disaster. You make your way through the famous Silver Rose Market. Paid runners are the only shoppers carrying goods from market stalls up to the hillside homes with, for a few talons. A small team of gardeners is tending to the market's Silver Rose bushes, despite there being virtually no one around to admire them. A runner passes you quickly and stumbles, dropping his cargo all over the street. He's hacking and coughing horribly and drops to his knees with a groan. 
When he looks up briefly, you can see that he's deathly pale, but he begins gathering up the scattered boxes, shaking his head and muttering, no, 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 to himself. You move on beyond the market and Rivenwing Arena stands proudly over the district. Despite everything, you feel a swell of pride looking up at what was really your second home for so many years. There are no events being held today, so the arena is empty aside from a few security guards who recognize you and let you in with a nod. You find Salas in his office, a, a half-empty bottle of bourbon on the desk. He looks up at you with bleary eyes. Zaka, look at the big hero come down from her tower to grace us lowly peasants with their presents. Peasants and presents. Presents! Did you bring a present? A dragon head from your big hero job, maybe? Sakog goes to one knee and says, Master Salas. She rises and walks toward him and she pulls out um, kind of like a, a large envelope, sort of, sort of. Mm -hmm. And she goes, of course, I always come bearing gifts. Grass snatches the, the how oh, it looks inside. Let's get it. Oh, well, I guess business is what? Slow? You made more doing fights here. You quit so you can what? Get petty change? Come on. It's like, ah. Uh, times are very difficult right now. Well, yeah, this is, uh, times is difficult. This is all I've been able to manage. Um, I will work harder. I'm. You're going to have to. I don't, I don't think your tribe's going to be very impressed. Honestly, I send them back this, and they're like, oh, no, thought she was a big hero. Yes, um, I will do more. I'll You're going to have to. You're going to have to. Your people, I'm, I'll try to tell them that you're working hard, but they're not going to be very happy. Understood. Next time, there will be more. I hope so. You know, for their sake. For the, for it's your people. It's your family. Now they need to, they, they count on you, Zaka. Everybody's counting on you. You know that. Yes. You know that, Zaka. <laughs> Sorry. Jim's face right now, I couldn't. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your time, Master Salas. Yeah, yeah, you come back anytime that you have an envelope. How Don't worry, I got I got a lot of busy, I gotta send this, you know, to your people, so. Thank you. you know, I gotta, you know, I gotta do that. That's my job. How are I'm things here? I mean, the city exploded, so. <laughs> Whatever. Well, I. I, I, I will make you proud. I, I will restore your faith in me and I will I will train harder and I will I will fight harder and, and accept more work and I will I will I will bring back double next time. Give me a few days. Yeah, I mean it's not up to me. It's your it's your tribe, you know. Like I'm I'm just trying to help you, you know. I'm doing what's best for you. For them, you know, and you doing your friends. So yeah, you gotta work. Thank you. Okay. I'll see you in a few days. Uh-huh. Get up and I walk. <laughs> okay. You leave him to his bottle, which takes us to Odalie. 
Totally. You wake up yes. and you see that Draven is already busy scuttling about the room. He appears to be dragging an envelope toward you from the windowsill, likely dropped off by a raven or an owl. It's not terribly easy to do this without hands, but he's doing his best. He's just sort of scooting this envelope across across the room towards you. Uh, you actually have the letter. <laughs> I sent it to you. Um, for those of you who are looking for any documents that we happen to, to give out, of course, they're uh, available on our Patreon right now, so you can go and download them. But um, you find that the letter is from Seven Towers University, and it appears rather self-evident given the circumstances, but classes have officially been suspended, and all university sites are off-limits to everyone. Not a surprise, but still, the letter serves as a sobering reminder of the impact the recent explosion is going to have over time as well as in the moment. So what do you do? How do you spend your time? <laughs> You're frozen. She's, oh, no. She's frozen in indecision. <laughs> no. Can you guys That doesn't sound good. <laughs> so Lily freaks out for a few minutes, but she she knows that she has to keep studying. She has to keep doing something. So she decides to uh, take a letter over to the post office, basically, uh, to send it off to Raymond. And then she had tried to reach out to Nesrit Lost Pit. Mm, yeah. That was the guy that you all saved from his own exploding machine not too long ago. Um, which makes a lot of sense because you know that he was he was doing a lot of academic research involving the the events surrounding the explosion. So perhaps he has something he can offer. Um, you had reached out to him, and so you you send off your your letter to your parents. You send that off. Yes. Go back to the sanctuary, and as you get back, um, you see that there's a man waiting outside the front door for the sanctuary, and, and as sort of as expected as you approach, you see that it is indeed Mesrick Lospin who, who got your invitation to to help and has is already um, eager, bright and, bright and early, eager to help. This lanky, robed figure of a man in spectacles, whom you recently saved from his own exploding machine, smiles and begins to gather up the various devices and components he's brought along for your little academic pursuit. He says, oh, oh, oh Odalie, hey, thanks for inviting me. I've been working night and day to refigure my calculations, so don't worry about anything blowing up because I've got it all figured out. And this time, I am 95% certain that there's not gonna be a problem. Just quick question. Uh, if it's 95% this time, what was the percentage last time? I mean, 94. We're improving. Great. We're improving Great. the odds. Uh, yes, we are 1% at a time. So tell me, what have you figured out since the explosion? Nothing. But I do have a few more instruments that are going to help us measure the samples that you say you've collected. Okay, great. Let's 
Let's do this. Okay. So you and Mesrick set up a makeshift lab in your room and set yourselves to studying these samples of mithracite ash that you have collected uh, from your, your travels, uh, especially closer to the site of the explosion. So in order to see what you can glean from all of this, go ahead and make an arcana check. Arcana, all right. You gotta get my Norse Foundry dice cam real quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a three on the dice, so plus seven is a 10. 10, uh, you both spend a couple of hours going over everything and, and you don't know whether it's because the instruments that he has has uh, created are simply not calibrated correctly, or whether they don't measure what they're supposed to measure, or whether you just aren't looking for the right, um, whether you're just not looking in the right place, or whether the samples are contained, anything could be going wrong, but there's really not a whole lot of information that you're getting that makes a whole lot of sense. Well, you do notice one thing, is that the ambient fields of magic given off by the ash are incredibly unstable. They don't match any of the schools of magic that you have learned to identify, and they vary in strength over time by very wild margins. Um, it, is, it is incredibly difficult to get a handle on exactly what you're looking at because it's constantly changing. It's constantly shifting, and sometimes uh, it is it is almost as if there's nothing there at all. But then it'll come back uh, stronger than ever before moments later. So it is it is it is just there's there's no way for you to really pinpoint what you're looking at, uh, and, it, and it becomes very frustrating and difficult after several hours of of research. Um, and at that point, uh, Nezrik looks to you and he's like, "Well, well." You know, uh, these things take time. Uh, I, you know, maybe I can adjust a few things at home and come back tomorrow and we can try it again. I, you know, but I think we're making progress. I think it's just, you know, we're gonna have to keep at it. You know, great discoveries aren't made in a day. <laughs> and nothing blew up. So, you know, hey, that's really kind of a win. That's a success in my book. That is a huge success. Uh, we do need to keep at this, Mesrick. All right, well, come off. And he leaves. Uh, he gathers up his supplies and he leaves. So we turn to Quindon. Quindon, what have you been doing all morning? The camera comes into Quindon's room. <laughs> and the shades are drawn. And Quindon is, at this point, He's probably clothed, but throughout the night, he was sweating so profusely. He had just sweat dripping off of him. And it's tough to say whether he slept or not. Um, he's very frazzled, and there are moments when he can be caught just staring at his own reflection and sort of poking himself and sometimes it's almost as if his fingers go through his own arm, come back, is this odd energy 
that will flicker in and out. And it, it almost seems as if there's random objects that he's holding at any given time, but but maybe they're there, maybe they're not there. And the only thing that really starts to break him free of this is this hunger that he has. He's just so unfathomably hungry. And it, it's it's as if he hasn't eaten in a week. And that that just eats at him to a, to a point where it erodes this sort of wildness where he, he hasn't done anything. Maybe he slept, maybe he hasn't staring off. So finally he, he does clothe himself. He's probably, his clothes are probably still a little damp from all the sweat. And he would he be heading downstairs uh, to go eat. And he would make himself quite a meal. Mm. So if anybody else is in the common area, they would probably encounter Quindon at a certain point later in the morning. Just, he's got bacon, Adam Khan. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of bacon. He's got muffins, blueberry specifically. He's got mm -hmm. coffee, lot of coffee. Mm -hmm. He's got toast, he's got jams, he's got hams. He rhymes too. No, he's, I mean, he's just, he's literally just devouring anything that's there. He's, he's probably not to use this current, like real world crisis, but like where we're stockpiling food. If anybody was worried about our stockpile of food, they'd be very worried now as Quindon has like <laughs> gone into the cupboards and is just eating the, like the portions that were clearly, it would not make sense that he's able to consume this much food, but he is. I mean, Grace would definitely come down, especially if she smells all this food. She'd mm -hmm. just eat it with you. Yeah, well, I imagine uh, uh, at this point, you guys, some of you have spent sort of hours uh, either doing your research or, or out in the city um, and, and sort of later in the morning, you're all coming back into the sanctuary um, and you find that Belson shows up uh, while you're still eating and everybody's sort of filtering back in. Um, he greets you all, but sort of makes his way to go find Dr. Gage, who is currently staying at the sanctuary as sort of a, a guest of the house, uh, immediately following his extraction from post-mortal labs. Um, Belson spends roughly an hour talking in private with Dr. Gage, and you don't quite catch the specifics of the conversation, but when Belson finally approaches uh, the the rest of you, sort of eating with or just watching in horror as Quindon eats a tremendous amount of food, you can see that Belson looks, he's just beaming. He turns to you and he says, Quindon, my boy, you have done me proud. Dr. Gage says he owes his life to, to really all of you, the whole team. This is absolutely fantastic. He sees your intervention as a stellar moment in the partnership between HEI and Postmortal Services. Corporate is going to hear about this, and you can be sure contracts are going to be flooding in when people hear how, how happy Dr. Gage is. He, his voice carries a lot of weight in the city. So truly, truly excellent work. That's wonderful to hear. I'm sure we'd all really love to um, procure some more work, more you than know? what's coming in. To that end, I love your go-getter spirit, and to that end, I don't have a contract for you. However, my little birds, my ears on the street have told me that things at the Sacred Workshop are getting rather dicey. Something about vandalism and an angry mob. 
look, I don't have details, but I think this is an opportunity for us. I'd like you to gather up and go uh, head to the Cathedral of Yamanka. I have confidence that you can talk your way into a contract if the rumors are true. And if not, gather what information you can about the church's response to the explosion. There may be something that the company can exploit. All of this is all valuable stuff. Before you go, I would make a run on the Quartermaster Network. Given the crisis, our guy in the shop is giving quite a discount on emergency supplies. Hmm. So you're saying you want us to go in hopes that we secure a contract, but there is no pay to be had. There's no pay yet. Again, I would like, I believe that given the cir current circumstances, uh, put Sly up as the face of the group and you'll find yourself swimming in talons and scales before too long. So a prostitute Sly. No, that's not quite it. Is essentially what you're saying the though. face. Or we prostitute ourselves no. for work. N no. Well, we probably make more coin that way, well, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I think. Yes or no? <laughs> no. <laughs> but transitioning, yes. Uh, I do think that this could be good for business. After all, if we show up where crises are before they've really truly broken out, that will speak to our level of heroism. Or they'll think we did it. Well, flip of a coin, but uh, with a badge on your side, hopefully, and uh, the, the story of all we've done thus far, they will think we are in the right. Sly has a point. But I don't like jumping into something without the promise of coin, but if you're sure, we could give it a shot. I'm certain that regardless of whether the church will hire you or not, there's something of value to be had in simply knowing how they're dealing with the crisis. Again, this could lead to other contracts. It's, it's all about networking, really. But I, get, your, get them to know your faces. That's going to be important in the next few days. Also, eat networking, right? Hmm? Eat networking? All right, that's my point. If we don't have money, we can't eat, right? Well, not if Quindon keeps eating the way he's eating, which I'm not chipping in for next week's rations. Everyone, knowledge can be its own currency. Yeah, but you still can't eat that. No. Your body will still die, even if you have lots of knowledge. You can trade it for things, though. Like food. Who's to say? I'll just say it's important. All right, so we're supposed to go to this cathedral then. Mm-hmm. But I, uh... What? I think we should stop by the Quartermaster's Network, especially if there's a sale. I love a sale. I agree. There are supplies that I feel like we should stock up on. Sounds good. Okay. Well, if y'all are headed to the Quartermaster Network, can I just give y'all very specific list. You're going to say exactly what's on it. I'll give you the money. Y'all can take care of it. Of course, totally. Where are you going? Yes. Oh, I'm just, I'm just going to stay here and refer some of my books. Something's not sitting right with this patch. I, I just want to see if I can find anything. Okay. Sorry about me. Yes. So Odalie returns to her room. Uh, she's not given up for the day. She's got more research to do. The rest of you are free to do what you will. You can go directly to the cathedral, or if you wanted to take Belson's advice, you could stop. You could step through the mysterious door in your house. Yeah, yeah, yeah the door, the door. U-M-N. 
Q Quartermaster's uh, Network. Oh, as a, uh, yep. It's like QVC, <laughs> but different. I was like, yeah. the door yeah, yeah. is easier to say. <laughs> <laughs> so you go to the door, the door that you have yet to open. And when you do open it, you see that there is just a dark. It Check looks, traps. Just it, it was trapped, and we're all found it. Now we're dead. <laughs> um, you see that the open, you open the door, and it's just like it looks like a long, very, very dark hallway. And you step through this doorway in your sanctuary, and you experience a brief but intense sensation of freezing cold and a deep, bone-shaking buzz. It's horribly uncomfortable. But as you pass through the other side of the portal, it ends almost immediately. You find yourself in a flickering lantern light in the middle of a store. Shelves covered in dusty goods of all kinds stand around you, and there is a low counter ahead on which sits an ornate cash box that is, must be worth a fortune even if it's empty. Next to the cash box is a bell with a sign that reads, Ring. What do you do? What was that word? Sorry, I missed Ring. It. Ring. 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 Oh, yeah. Ring it! Oh, Grace is ringing it. Grace is just like, BAM! <laughs> Slaps that bell. A, a, a ring goes out. And a few seconds later, you hear like the padding of feet and some shuffling and this weird, low, indecipherable chanting. When you see a small, hunched over, robed figure that like picks up, you know, one of those, the on the counter, how you flip up the little thing, mm -hmm. you go behind it, walks around, uh, shuffles his way all the way over to where the cash box is, and you can see he must step up like on a box. Turns to you, pulls down a hood to reveal a scaly, lizard-like snout. You realize that you're looking at a kobold Hmm. who is standing there looking at you, kind of head tilted. He says, buy. Yes, yes. we would love to buy. Yeah, buy. Are there Chinese? Things? Sorry. Have. We have money, yes. Ah, buy. <laughs> Do we see things on the shelf? There's, There's lots shelf? of stuff, okay. all kinds of stuff. It looks like you see potions and scrolls and dusty sets of armor and mismatched sets of armor and weapons and all kinds of things. So Ka would pretty much have given this this creature a glance, but then made a, a little lap around the room and started mm -hmm. collecting potions. And then she throws um, a coin purse on top of the counter. Okay. Uh, he looks at what you have. He says, mm, ten shiny gold, uh, uh, eight silver shiny, yes. Opens up the bag that you've put down and starts counting out coins. He says, five, nine, <laughs> one, eight. He goes all the way and he just counts out each coin one by one that the numbers are all over the place till he gets to 10, he's 10. And he puts the coins in his box and he goes in for silver coins. It's the same thing. He starts like three, 641, <laughs> 982,660. And he just keeps going all the way until he gets to eight silver talons. And he said eight and puts those in his box. Ah, okay, bye. I take my potions and I store them on my person. <laughs> Back away. Uh, 
You are delightful. <laughs> <laughs> Do you work here all the time? Uh, what do we call you? Guy. Guy? The guy. The guy. So you're the guy. I'm the guy. Do you okay. own this place? Mm. <laughs> Are you the only guy here, mostly? Only one guy, me, the guy. <laughs> the guy. How do you stuck all these shelves so high? Mm, I go up. All oh, right, so apparently they can fly now. Ah. All right, well, here's what I want, and I'll set some potion bottles and money on the counter. Sure. Well. And he, he, yeah, he starts like, just the same process. One by one, it's this painstakingly slow process where he counts <laughs> out all of the money that he's owed one by one, numbers all over the place until he gets to the correct one, and he puts the coins in the, in the cash box. Mm, he seems so happy, like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is my turn now. Bye. I go take... Go over to the section with the potions. I just like do that. Mm-hmm. How many? Okay. Uh, I forgot what you said. It's okay. <laughs> Good. I give him. I give him. <laughs> Takes all the coins. Puts them in the box. Who else? Buy. Bye bye bye. Uh, well, I would uh, like to buy as well, but I, I only need one of these, and I'll grab a potion and set it down and it's sure. Right. Um, now I see my friends here are grabbing many a potion, uh, but, and I draw my sword and I lay it on the table and I say, this is my weapon of choice. Do you okay. have any way to make it more powerful? More what? You want, you want, ooh, <laughs> on it, yeah. <laughs> yes, I want it to, Ouch, more, but uh, also ka-ching, a little as well. You weird man, <laughs> weird man. You just want a little woo, I give that, yes. Yes. Pulls up a little, a little charm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like a small, like, crystal mm-hmm. um, on a, a tiny little chain, almost like you would put on a, a bracelet. You've seen things like this before. Mm-hmm. Weapon charms are, are um, they're not as long lasting as a rune, mm-hmm. but they're usually a cheap way to, in a pinch, add a little pizzazz to your, your strikes. You can use them uh, as, as sort of like one-time magic buffs for your weapon. So the one that he holds up says, mm, ka-ching, ja. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, that, that should uh, that should help as well. Yeah. Yes, uh, because, I, and I'm sorry if I misspoke before, I want to hurt people more, but also have a chance to disarm them. Oh, okay. <laughs> he grabs another little, like, charm. Mm-hmm. It looks like this weird, like, fleshless finger bone that he sets on the table. He says, ah, ah, ah. 
It's another weapon charm, you can tell. Just like, it, it looks, you would attach it to the weapon very similar to the way you would the, huh. the crystal. All right. If that will do the trick, I, I trust you because you are the guy. Yeah. Now, uh, is there any way to help um, keep me protected a little bit more? Any simple charms like this, uh, we do have somewhere to be. Mm. He reaches down, uh, he goes into like uh, this little like display at the, at the side behind his counter, grabs another charm off of the rack, comes over and you can see it's a small ivory snowflake. He says, you'll get burned, ouch. No, no, no. <laughs> it is good. That seems like a good thing to have. I don't want to get burned, ouch. <laughs> uh, yes, I will take that as well, all of these things. Okay. Yeah, you sent me the list earlier, mm -hmm. and I said, how much did I tell you it was? I think it was around five. Huh? JK. Uh, <laughs> I told you how much it was. Like. You said, I think, 16 and two? 16 and two, yeah, that's that's correct. Yes. Yep. Oh. He's got Scott around 12, 932, one. So he gets all the way to 16 and then counts out the two silver. Um, Quinden is like, has his elbows on the counter mm -hmm. and is just watching this guy highly amused. When you, when you put your elbows on the counter, you're like, mm, bad. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Sorry. How dare you? As he's counting all this out, I'm just gonna kind of lean over to Sly and be like, you know there's a, uh, there's a type of con where they see the numbers differently and then you end up paying more money than you're supposed to. Yes, that's why I've been counting on my fingers at the same time. Smart, smart. I haven't been counting at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll notice that later. I go over to Quinden and I kind of give him like a stern elbow in the side and say, don't forget the rations for next week. All right, get more bacon. Yeah, Odalie has some stuff she wanted yes. to buy. That's what this oh, yeah. is. Uh, we also had a list. We have a list. And sure. I hand so over he the list. Up. Yeah, he'll gather up the supplies uh, from Odalie's list as well. Mm -hmm. And take your money. Wonderful. <laughs> Perfect. I'll, I'll, I'll bring her stuff back sure. to her. But otherwise, uh, I personally am good. Does anyone else need anything else from the guy? Not today. I would assume that I would purchase food fresh food from merchants Yeah, you're looking around, yeah. like there's there's nothing, like this is all like, uh, none of it's food. <laughs> yeah, and I, I say, yeah, I'll, I'll get more food. Are you hungry? Next Are week? You? I'll be hungry next week. Okay. We've I could eat. Quentin. We've warned you about this. You can't eat all of the rations. I didn't eat all of them. There's we ate four of the five rations. We need more than that to. I didn't eat any rations. I ate muffins and 
bacon and jerky and jam and toast and the ham. Zakas smiles because this is something that she's frequently dealt with with Quinden in the past. Mm-hmm. So instead of like getting mad or anything, she kind of just realizes like, oh yeah, she's we've been down this road before. Mm-hmm. I hold up my it field was, rations and I'm like, I still have my rations. Why didn't you eat those? Because well, I was hungry for those other things. Oh, I was yeah. hungry for bacon and yams and hams and toast and jams. Okay. All right. Coffee. Well, uh, yes, maybe we should uh, take this riveting discussion <laughs> on the road as we start looking for our next job. Yes. Right. Have I ever told you what the best meal was I ever had? Oh, we've heard many times, Quindon. Thank, Thank you, guys. Serenitis. Yes, <laughs> I stepped out. through the cold. The cold door. Stepped through the cold. Hoping to stay there forever. So and I hear about Quindon's But I pull Quindon. And I go to, like talking to them about the meal, but then I, I stop and I kind of take my arm from Zakan. I look back at him and I say, if you ever get any serenitis meat, you let us know, okay? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I and then I I, I walk out. <laughs> All right, uh, I have cards in case you don't know what exactly the items you purchased do, or if you need to reference it. No I idea what I bought. Some, some potions. Um, stats are there, so you head back out into the sanctuary, having restocked after your recent adventures, ready to tackle the day. What do you do? Where do you go? What happens? What happens next, guys? Well. I would suggest that we head to the church. I'll clean up my dishes. Sure. By eating everything left on them and then cleaning them up. <laughs> but, there's like one, but there's like one little last piece of bacon left on, on Quindon's plate and Zaka walks over before he can grab it and snatches it up and eats it. She clearly didn't get the rules from Adam Khan either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I definitely think that um, kind of as we're going about all of this, yeah. that Grace would be keeping in mind any places along the path where she might be able to get more information. She also would have shared this information with everyone, especially Zakaf, in regards to her brother and what she found um, Mm -hmm. probably earlier on. Cool, all right, so yeah. Um, You begin moving your way through the streets of Fogdowns, and before too long, you come within sight of the sacred workshop of Yaman Ka. You can see immediately that Belson was not wrong about the church having trouble. There is a crowd surging around the steps of the cathedral, and armored war priests man barricades to hold them back. Angry shouting is audible even from hundreds of yards away, and perhaps the most interesting feature is a great glowing tableau across the face of the building. It depicts a fat, nude priest reclining on a pile of gold and jewels, stuffing his face with cake. You see emaciated, wounded, and sick onlookers surrounding the priest, ignored and forgotten. The image flickers occasionally, Clearly an illusion. What do you do? All right, this seems like one of those times when we could use your skill sets, like, all right, when we just go in and we're like, we're here to save the day. Well, yes, I think uh, diplomacy is the best policy. Oh, diplomacy, that's what you call it. Right, yeah. Yes. Uh, I I was just going to go up there and, like, start, you know, brandishing weapons. Yes, I like this plan. No, 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 no. We speak of our exploits. They see us wearing our weapons. You do not wear a weapon unless you plan on having to use it. I was planning on that. Talking takes forever. Yeah, that is also true. I agree. Quinnon just 
keeps walking in. <laughs> Starts walking. Yeah, I mean, uh, you have to sort of bully your way to the front of the crowd, and you find yourself behind a low, sturdy barricade. There's an armored figure nearby uh, who pushes someone trying to climb over the barricade back, but he casts a steely-eyed glance in your direction and says, Stay back! Workshop's closed! Go home! I, I remember what Sly did one time, and I pull out the, the badge, and I say, H-E-I, and I go to climb <laughs> over the barricade. He, uh, he's, he rolls his eyes. Fine, come on. Uh, he actually lets you through after you flash your, your H-E-I badge. I, and I, I think to myself, hmm. <laughs> I, I just keep walking. I noticed Quindon do this, so I kind of like, I was back with them as we mm-hmm. were devising this plan, mm-hmm. and it's like I catch Quindon doing this out of the corner of my eye, so I rush over to Quindon, mm-hmm. and I'm flashing the same like H-E-I, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and I get up to Quindon, and I, and I what are you doing? I was going in. You said that okay. we didn't um, want to wait. Quinn, we we um we go in together. Yeah. I was waiting for you guys. So but I reach, at the front. I reach inside my pouch and mm-hmm. I kind of like pull out like a little bag of trail mix and mm-hmm. it's got like more chocolates in there than it does the other stuff because mm-hmm. it's the best kind of trail mix. Because <laughs> it's a good bag. Because <laughs> it's a good bag. And I give it to Quinn and I said, here, uh just Stay with the group. I take the trail mix and I go, oh, thanks. And I open it up and I start eating it and I keep on walking in. Yeah. <laughs> you I was famished. Bag of treats. You have to be the source of treats. One of the, I always um, carry snacks for Quindon. <laughs> one of the war priests sort of breaks off from the barricades, actually escorts you up the stairs to the... the... I yell back for Sly and Grace and Odalie. I'm like, hey guys, come on, we're going in to see the wizard. <laughs> okay. So flashing your badges, they let you all through the barricade. Um, and you are all brought before a pair of robed priests dividing their attention between the angry mob down below and the massive illusion defacing the temple. One of the priests raises their arms, chanting words of prayer to Yaman Ka. There is a pulse of orange light. The illusion flickers momentarily, but then it stabilizes. I can't concentrate with this rebel screaming behind us. Both of them then notice you all standing there and they turn to face you with sour expressions. Workshop is, is is closed. You shouldn't even be on the steps. Be gone. Be gone. Knowledge. <laughs> D- divine, right? Religion. Religion. That's religion it. Check, yeah. Oh, what just broke in my brain there? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna do a religion check. I want to know um, how this thing could have been created. Sure. This illusion and how it might this be, actually be an arcana check. dismissed. Oh, arcana. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, 15. 15, um, chances are this is some kind of illusion that is being maintained by a a spell that is um, relatively powerful. Um, And you would guess uh, just from what you've seen that the priest before you is trying his best to remove it, but is currently unsuccessful. Would it be something that I could aid him in? No, you would have to know if you have dispel magic or break enchantment or any spell. Oh yeah, Jim, I'm just sitting on a bunch of those spells. <laughs> well, well, you don't know how to do it. <laughs> uh, I would, I would go up to him. I would just say, uh, we heard there was trouble, and uh, as adventurers and being here to help, we were wondering if you needed any assistance. Vultures, he says, sort of under his breath, but he looks at you and he says, well, you want to help. Fine, fine. Our current and most pressing predicament is you can see that the church has been defaced. Yes. And this must be dealt with. I don't know if you've ever heard of Kettle Black, 
a treacherous, horrible little gnome who lives in Underforge, but she is responsible for this. And I am afraid that unless she comes back to remove it, I am currently unable to do so. Glean lore kettle black. This would be a society oh, check. Yes. Glean I don't lore. think he gave us his. <laughs> glean lore. I'll go glean lore about it. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, uh, anybody yeah. with anybody with some society can go ahead and make a check on Kettle Black. Ooh. Nope. Don't think I'm getting it on that one. Yeah. Ooh. Ah, I should have called it out earlier. 19 on the die, that's a 26. Yeah. Ooh, 26. Uh, you are very familiar with the works of Kettle Black. She is a, uh, a an accomplished illusionist who fancies herself a performance artist. Uh, her work is almost always critical of the power structures in the city, uh, and she is famous for making a variety of, of very large public um, displays that have upset quite a lot of people. Um, this is this is uh, even even just walking up to this place like you had a feeling that this must have been her. Like this is exactly the kind of thing that she would do. Um, sort of looking at her work, it, it makes a lot of sense the way she is very clearly choosing to criticize the opulence of the church, uh, while the the uh, wounded and sick figures uh, are the the sympathetic commoners of Fogdowns, clearly not being tended to by those who could help the most. Seems like quite bad luck to you to face a church, right? We never caught your name. You call me Foreman Tomas. Tomas. What do I know about Yamankai, right? That's the yeah. That would yeah. That'd be an old religion check. Old religion. And old the old religion. All right. Religion check. I'm gonna add an edge to this. Okay. Thank yeah. you, fans. Uh, I need every bit of it. That's a six on the die, which would be a seven with my edge. With my religion, that is an 11. Sure. Uh, Yamanka is the uh, uh, said to be the creator of all things and order in the universe. Uh, it is said that the great machine is responsible for the the workings of the universe. All, all natural law, all arcana, all... all the way the world works does so because the great machine runs, and Yavinka is the one who who runs the machine, maintains it, uh, and and creates parts of it. He is a very stern and unforgiving faith, but uh, it is a common one, a common one uh, in Vantum, a city that sort of uh, prides itself and and reveres industry and work and productivity. So I look at this gentleman. Do we have, have we got his name yet? Yeah, Tomas. Foreman Tomas. 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 Uh, I say, Tomas. This is a, this is a disgrace. It's You're a disgrace. absolutely right. Oh, and I, I follow suit. A, a disgrace. A disgrace. I say it is completely unacceptable that Kettle Black would do this. The Great Machine cannot function with this sort of type of disorder. This must be stopped. Do you have any knowledge on where we can find Kettle Black? Because we will do this immediately. As HEI people, we'll take care of this for you, free of charge. What? What? 
Well, well I'm yeah. most impressed. Do you see, mm. he turns to his companion, who's a woman who's just sort of been watching over all this sort of quietly. He says, do you see, finally, somebody who understands the importance of, of image and, and who understands the, the Christ. You you scoffed earlier thinking to your, saying to yourself, well, we, we can ignore it, but, but clearly... Uh, 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 this is a disgrace, and, and you see, you should you should learn from people like this. And the uh, the woman who's sort of standing behind him just sort of nods, but doesn't say anything. Uh, says, "Well, uh, if you, uh, I, I do not know where the nefarious and and uh, disgraceful Kettle Black disgraceful. is at this exact moment, but I do know, of course, that she lives in Underforge, beneath the bellows, with all of the other dwarves and gnomes." We will be on this at once. We will bring Kettle Black to justice and remove this disgraceful act. Well, I certainly hope that you are successful. And I turn around and start heading towards the Underforge. I can tell that Grace really wants to be like, no, wait, we want coin for this. So I kind of, I kind of like um, grab her and, and whisper in her ear that let it go. Might have a point. If we do this, maybe the next one will be paid double. We don't know, but and I, I kind of lean over to Sly, who is <laughs> anxiously picking away at his ring over there, mm-hmm. fingernails, and I'm just like, look, it is very clear that we are short on coin these days, but we can't go back on what Quindon said. So next time, but I, let's make sure he's not the one leading. Well, agree. Maybe he'll eat less next week as well. Yeah, we'll make it up in food. Let's feed him something that slows him down. Something heavy next time, like a stew. <laughs> Instead of carbo filling him because look, look, he's a quarter mile away already. We ah, should okay. really start well, let's walking. Go. Yes, let's go. Odily. Come on. Yeah. Hopefully, Sarah knows second books at this point. Wonderful. So, in order to get to Underforge, uh, you know that the the access to Underforge is in the Bellows, um, and that will take you beneath the city. Um, you move away from the church and all the way through Fog Downs into the Bellows, and you notice that when you get there, things are downright eerie. Ash here is very, very thick, and you can barely see your hands in front of your faces. The swirling glow of it is very disorienting. Sometimes you see groups of figures moving quickly along the streets, but none of them take any notice of you. When one, pa- when one group passes close, you can see that the figures are dressed as if for winter, with thick scarves over their faces and goggles hiding their eyes. They carry tools, bodies, stretchers, often bearing wounded. The tragedy of Seven Towers and the explosion is far from over. The wall of Tess Callum's brewery will have many more names on it before very long. I, as they catch up to me, I would look at them and I would say, hey guys, look, I told you that I owed you and I was sorry for the other day for how I behaved. Trust me, me and Lucky have done this tons. You've got to build up good, good faith, not to, not to make a pun, but you don't want to mess with the religious centers in a city. You build up good faith. We show them, we get our name out there and people start to trust us. This will work really well for us. Also, by the way, that was hilarious. 
I'm totally on Kettle Black's side. But let's just see if we can, you know, settle this calmly, Quinn, civilly. It's not about the fact that we don't agree with what you're doing. It's the fact that you just do it mm-hmm. and don't tell us. We're a team. Yeah. You have to stay with the team. You have to update the team as to what you're going to do. I was updating you just a little late. In real time, you were updating us. We also need to consider every variable. Have you considered how Belson will take to the fact that we are now doing an entire job for free when he is the one who is garnering us work and who we owe money to? He was the one I was thinking of first. He's going to be so happy if we make them a client. I don't, I mean, I guess he might if they're in, like, could we sign some sort of deal that if something comes up, they always come to us? Exactly. Or it's exclusive, maybe, but otherwise, I think Belson's going to want you to pay him. And also, the great thing about having a Belson is you always have someone to blame. If someone says that price is too high, you can say, talk to Belson. If someone says, I do not like the circumstances, we can say, talk to Belson. If the church says, we want you to do this, but cannot afford it, we will say, sorry. Talk Belson. to Belson. Exactly. But we're the faces they see. We're the ones they interact with. Yes, but he's the this face we see. This will work. Belson is a businessman. He'll understand. We have to drum up business somehow. Good faith in a crisis is a good idea. I just want to know why we haven't thrown Belson under the bus more already. <laughs> I mean, I could have been using this for a while now. No. As you guys are talking, it's actually Odley. You notice there is, as, as they're going on and on and arguing with the other, and you're making your way deeper and deeper into the bellows, you begin to hear this sort of electric buzz in the air that is growing louder and sharper. And you realize that that's because the source of it is getting closer. And you look up into the sky as they're arguing and you notice that there is a strange iridescent thing, much like a flying eel that is darting and swirling around overhead and then suddenly dives towards Quindon in a rush of aggression. You all need to roll initiative. But you were specifically targeting Zaka, right? No, Quindon. I infinity again. It's an infinity. Now, unfortunately, we don't have our trusty minifigures today. So we're just gonna have to do initiative the old fashioned way. Yeah, which by Ooh. the way, not cool, Eric Raddick. Not cool. <laughs> Wait, you sure we shouldn't just punch in anyways, just see what it's like? Mm-hmm. Just give the fans Go what ahead. they want. Punch in anyways and see what is there. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but Quindon, what does your initiative look like? But Quindon is uh, 15. 15 for all Quindon's. <laughs> What about Odalie? I also have a 15. Uh, what do those bonuses look like? Oh. Be- Six. Six for you, so that'll be Odalie next. Sly right. Gilder. 14 for Sly. Sly is on a 14. Zaka. Also a 14. I got 25 over here. Whoa! Bitch! Baracus getting to work. Do you want to All right. Well, you, Odalie shouts a quick warning. You turn your eyes to the sky and see this weird multicolored eel just buzzing down out of the sky towards Quindon. You notice that there's not just one of them. There's two of them. Mm. What do you do? Where's Ursula? Um, <laughs> I think 
How far up are they? Currently, about 15 feet overhead. Okay, so I think reacting quickly, I'd probably draw my sword. Okay, sword's out. Um, and then, can I reach? I'm trying to think if I can, if I jump. <laughs> 15 strike. feet is really high for that. Uh, you can, you have two actions remaining, so you can ready. I know you want to get on my ready. I really do. Do it. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Can I like climb up Zakaa? Just climb yeah, on top like of Zakaa. Yeah, yeah. Like we have. That's I'll really. Allow it. I want to like do some kind of jump thing and just try to swing at him. I um, mean, you yeah, know, like, they, those, you like, make an acrobatics first... check if there, yes. there are there are rules That's for jumping high. <laughs> it is going to be a wild DC, but okay. Well, I'm pretty good at acrobatics. Can I aid her? Uh, that gives Ooh. me a 21. 21. Hmm. Uh, you are able to get pretty high off the ground, but not <gasps> enough oh, to strike cool. 15 foot ahead creatures. However, after you, uh, it comes much, much, much closer. This one is not the one that was dive bombing all Quindy. Uh, this one uh, was just coming in at the group in general, and it sees you leap up in there, and you make yourself quite a juicy target. So it it's is just intimidated by me. Zip down towards you with one action. With its second action, it is going to try to catch you in its horrible needle tooth jaws. And to hit, ooh, that is gonna be 24. Oh, yeah. Which I believe is gonna get you. So you feel these little needle teeth dig into your flesh. And there is a burst of, of swirling energy as the teeth enter your flesh. You take four total points of damage. Ew. Though you can feel that some of that wasn't just the physical bite. There's some kind of weird energy that this thing exudes that seeps into your flesh. And then it just kind of whips its whole body around and tries to lash you with its tail for its third and final action. Uh, that's only a 15, though, to get you, which I don't believe is going to hit. So you dodge the tail swipe. Okay. After it is done, Quindon, you look up and see this thing is just like coming at you. What do you do? Uh, I think uh, Quindon's still so hungry. He thinks of chopsticks. <laughs> he wants to eat that thing so yeah. bad. It's an eel, and he wants <laughs> he wants sushi. Ooh, that's a wants to eat it. <laughs> yeah. So he thinks about chopsticks, and chopsticks appear. Hmm. And attempt to pinch the... What? What? It's 30 feet away, right? It is 30 feet away, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chopsticks appear and attempt to to pierce the eel. For for those who don't have a full grasp of what you're doing, could you tell me what action you're taking? I'm not sure. (laughs) I have a spell here that I believe you invented. Okay, you're talking about your, your mystery spell. You want to yes. manifest the chopsticks. Okay, uh, so I take it that you are manifesting a ranged weapon then. Uh, these chopsticks appear uh, and just try to strike, uh, make a spell strike against the target of your wrath. Uh, I'm gonna add an edge to this. Okay. Because I believe I have one. Although my computer has died, so can anybody confirm, do I have an edge? Yes. You have one, two, three, four, five of them. I have yep. five edges? Yep. Well, I used yep. one earlier, so I think I have four edges. Okay, well, you have four then. I'll remove one for you. Uh, that is a leaner, but it's pretty close to that six. Okay. Uh, so that's a 14. 14 is a miss. It's a miss? Yes, it's a two action spell. This, these chopsticks just, pss. now the chopsticks don't go away. They remain. 
but you do notice that in the swirling ash, you begin to see forms uh, of, of maybe more creatures converging on you. Uh, you look around and, and you can't quite see your friends as clearly. They look so much further away from you than they were. <sighs> They're running away, as if I you're, think. You're all alone against this just onrushing horde of these things. I can't believe they run away. I, uh, I'm, I, I can't believe I'm alone. I do. I will, I, Jim, I'm gonna take one more action. Well, it's, it's two actions to cast the spell. Right. One action to attack. The spell manifests your gotcha. item, and then Copy. you can use that item Copy. in the future. Copy. Right, yes. Okay. So it's three actions, but I actually I do need you to uh, go ahead and roll a d6 for me. As you cast the spell, you notice there is this weird surge of energy all around you, and it looks like all the ash that is that is falling around you begins to like converge on you for a moment. Roll a d6. Uh, that is, I believe, a that's a one. That is a one. Okay. Yes. Uh, Okie dokie. Nothing really happens. I believe they're yelling from up there, trying to decide if I was choosing whether a one or a six. The gen. I always consider Gen Con no, to be the said. six. Gen Con was six. Crystal Cast was one. Yeah, Crystal Cast is one. Yeah, because I always consider Gen Con to be the six on the die. So this is a one. Thank you. Thank you, Odalie. Thank you, Jamie. Okay. Well, nothing really seems well. to happen, but it is a very odd. Something weird uh, uh, appears to occur just before you cast the spell, but you don't have time to consider it because Odalie's turn. What are these things? Uh, arcana checks might uh, allow you to determine their exact nature. That's a 14 on the die, plus seven is 21. Okay, with a 21, you know that you are looking at weird little things called void worms. Uh, they're not eels at all, but they are proteans that do not exist on the material plane, and they are attracted to uh, areas of extreme chaos, and um, they, they typically, uh, they, well, I'll ask you this. Do you want to know something about their defenses or something about their attacks? One other, one other piece of information. Defenses. Defenses. They have what is something called protean anatomy, which means when they take a specific type of energy damage, they become resistant to it for a while. So when they take certain types of damage, they become resistant to that damage for a time. They can, their, their anatomy actually shifts constantly to make them adaptable. Okay, uh, hopefully it's gonna yell this out as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And then she will cast Bane on the one that is closest. Bane, which I believe is a will save on my part to see if I'm affected. Yes. I do need you to roll a d6. I don't like that, but okay. One. One, uh, yeah, nothing, the spell goes off without a hitch that you do notice there's like this weird surge of energy from the glowing ash all around. Oh. The will save, ooh, I don't know, that's kind of a maybe. Um. 14. Does not pass. That is a failure. All right, so I am affected by pain, which is going to be a minus one to everything, yeah? Uh, to attack rolls. Minus one to attack rolls. 
After Odalie does that, uh, that was a recall knowledge, and then it's two actions for Bane. Okay, so that yep. takes us to Zakaz's turn. For Thespier! She gets mad. <laughs> or happy. Excited. excited. She gets pumped. I get she gets pumped. ready. And I draw my great axe. Draws the great axe. But these things are 30 feet in the air? Not the one that's attacking Grace. Great. How far away is that one? Um, well, she's practically next to you, so great. we could shift over with a, a, a five-foot step and swing away if you wanted to. Uh, that would be two actions. Yeah, it's two hits. It would be an action to step, action to swing. Rage had to draw my great axe. Okay. So I will just stay right there. You can. Sure. You can stay right where you are. Sly. Um, she would also be relatively close to me. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And the other one is in the air. The other one's still in the air. The other one hasn't acted yet. Okay. Um, I am going to uh, kind of clear the space of those two because I, I figured they're going to handle that one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to... Uh, well, I guess I... Or I, I won't because I know movement will take an action. So, because uh, I, I want to draw, sling... Load, sling, fire, sling. That's All right, great. fire that sling. All righty. Well, that just, did, I didn't even get that into the box. There we go. All right, 12 on the dice, plus seven is 19. 19 is a hit. Nice. Great. Yes. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, there it is. Eat it. D6. Eat it. Uh, four damage. With four points of damage. Three. Mm-hmm. As you just fire this slingstone up into the sky, it strikes this little worm eel thing. There is a burst of energy as the stone comes into contact with it, but then the worm writes itself in the air, and you can actually see. Let's see. Bah, 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 bah. Nope. Okay, okay. That's it. Uh, three actions for you. So that mm-hmm. takes us to its turn. So it was barreling down on uh, old old Quindon, but then you hit it with a stone. So it immediately zips towards you and tries to bite. That bite is going to hit armor class 19. So that's probably going to get you. Yeah, that will do it. The jaws sink into your flesh. You take four points of piercing damage and one point of chaotic damage. Oh. As there's this weird little like jolt of energy from its teeth. And then it does the same thing where it just tries to whip around and slap you in the face with its tail. Uh, But with a total of 16, it is going to miss on that second attack. That was all three of its actions. It's the top of round two. Grace. Well, first off, Vampire 54 got me a card. Yay! What? You're getting to draw? We got the old draw. What kind? What what, what, why draw? What is this? This is a deck of cards that when (laughs) somebody purchases a draw, uh, the people at the table get to choose a card, and each card has a unique and powerful effect. So depending on what you draw, and you can hold on to it for as long as you need. So let's see what you get. Three of hearts. Three of hearts, okay. All of the card effects are currently on our world anvil. So if you go to our world anvil, you can find all of the all of the bonus effects and the card effects are online for you. Those, uh, you can use that. You can spend that card whenever you want to give yourself three temporary hit points. Awesome. That's helpful. Uh, 
Okay, so now this thing. Now it's all up in your business. Yeah, so. I'm gonna say, well, that was dumb uh, to it, because by mm-hmm. to me it was dumb. Yes. Um, and I just want to. I still have my sword out, so I just want to try to slice it in half. Yeah. It's a good, good choice. Yeah, I thought so. All right. Um, so that. Ooh, nice. Right page, right? Yeah. I believe. Is that a twenty-two? That is a twenty-two. Got him. Got him good. <laughs> nice. nice. Wow. I, after I slice him in half, I want to look at the other one, even if it doesn't see me, and just so it notices, hopefully, that I just killed it. As this a one. warning. As a warning. Well, how much damage do you deal? Because it may not actually be in twain. I, it probably is, though. It's I probably mean, in twain, but yeah. it may not be. Who knows? We'll we're, see. we're all pretty sure that it is. <laughs> uh, that is five. Ugh. Five. Oh, I don't think I add anything to it. Oh, I do. Oh, wait. Yes, plus two piercing. So that is seven. Seven, seven whole damage. Dead. No, <laughs> but it is hurt. It is so, hurt. And that was only one action. Oh, it is. Let me let me oh, just wow. let me just slice it the other direction. Slice again. This is at a minus five. Okay, so that's seventeen on the die plus nine, so plus four for twenty-one. Yeah, oh. twenty-one's gonna. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. Yes, kill it. Oh, uh, so that's three damage. Mm-hmm. Because I know that's enough. It's still in one piece. Oh, you so could nice. make another attack in the minus ten. You know why not? Do why not? it. Just Do really it. intimidate it, right? Oh, I rolled a four instead. Very close to oh. a twenty. Yep. Um, <laughs> so that puts me at a three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, intimidating, but it, it is. It is not. That's all it's for. I was just trying to scare it this time. Hey, the other one is very terrifying. That's what I want. It is its turn. And you notice that the wounds you've made close just a little bit. Not a lot. Not a lot, but it does seem to get just a little bit healthier. And then it tries to, again, just spin around real fast and whack you with that tail. But it's an 11 total because that was a horrible roll. So it is it is a little intimidated right? by you. So instead of just standing there and fighting, it is going to back up. Uh, and try to get out of your immediate vicinity. Um, just just away. It just backs away. It doesn't go up. It's still interested in being in the fight, so it doesn't go out of... Uh, it does not go up. It just moves to the other side of the street with both actions. So it gets pretty farther away and just sort of like seems to hover there, maybe hoping that it can regain some of its, uh, of its hit points before it has to re-enter the fray. After it takes all three of its actions to bite or slap and then get away, it is Quindon's turn. Now the chopsticks are still like this. This this weapon you've created is it stays with you for the duration of your spell. You can continue to attack with it. Ah! Um, um, um. As uh, he starts this, I want to go. Don't go too far. My friend wants to eat you. <laughs> there is one that is uh, trying to gnash. All sly to death. Mm-hmm. Quinton's very confused because he, because he heard a voice say that something wants to eat him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't understand, but he concentrates on the chopsticks and smoke starts to billow oddly off of him. And he attempts to get the giant chopsticks okay. to work. An action to make a spell attack. Uh, great. I will use my edge as well again. All right. Smirk. Here comes the edge. Ugh, this is gross. 
Uh, that was sorry, I missed it, but that was a five on the die. Okay. Sorry, everybody. So that's uh, not going to do it. That's a six plus seven is thirteen. Thirteen. Uh, Quinnen is just getting angrier and angrier, mm -hmm. uh, and also very kind of worried about this situation because he's assuming that this eel or something else Gary wants to eat him. Yes. Um, so he wants to eat it first. Yes. So he will attempt to move the chopsticks again. Yeah, you can attack twice. Yeah, it's just a, it's a weapon. Just out of curiosity, you you had mentioned the word concentrate. Were you concentrating specifically to sort of? Fight through the things you were seeing, or was that just a no, 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 just a flavor, no, just flavor a flavor. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Second action, then. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, boom. Okay. Uh, I'll use an edge. No, you know what? I'm not going to use no an edge because that hasn't been working. All right, here we go. Um, I believe that's a sixteen. Sixteen will hit. That's All right. Go. Good. I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna hit it with my chopsticks. And that is 1d8 plus four. That's an eight on the die. <laughs> nice. Plus four is 12 with hey. my choppy sticks. Nice. Yeah, I mean, Sly, you're standing there and all of a sudden these giant chopsticks come <laughs> flying out of the ash and just skewer this weird wriggling eel. Uh, and it just like flops around on the edge of the chopstick uh, and then just collapses to the ground. It's, oh, you killed it's destroyed. It. And I, I'm looking around for the other eel. You see the other one. It has moved quite a bit further away. Is uh, it still within okay. 30 it's feet? It's not within 30 feet. It has moved. Uh, well, I can't figure out where my companions are, so I am now going to focus okay, and try so to focus, see if I can. Uh, suddenly, things start to come more into focus. You can see your friends are actually much closer than you thought they were. It seems like everybody's still there. They're looking at you like uh, things look more real around you as you focus and concentrate. Totally, it is your turn. So last turn, I actually disposed him. Uh, Bane affects a five-foot emanation to begin with. So it's only in that five feet if a creature was out of it, obviously it wouldn't affect but, but I think you center but. it on the creature. So you center that on a creature, and then every turn you can make that emanation bigger and bigger to affect more and more creatures around it. But you still do center it on that creature. So it's a right, five-foot emanation from moves. your target. If your target moves, oh, it's okay. still affected by bait. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Good to know. Well, she's going to cackle and okay. uh, make it a 10-foot radius. There we go. And then she's actually going to look to squat and uh, give him a little wink and nudge fate for him. Nudge fate. I believe that's going to allow you to roll oh, yeah. twice and take the better result. Ooh. Yes. Thank you very much. That's what it'll do. After that, it is a cause turn. Uh, how far away has this thing backed up, the one that was attacking Well, Grace? it can fly 40 feet with a single action. And it took two actions, so it's oh, 80, it's 80 feet away. Feet? Yes. Wow. Can I sudden charge twice? You can only sudden charge once. <laughs> but but what you can do is you can move. you can stride and then sudden charge. You would actually not want to. So char your charge lets you to move fifty feet, right? No, I don't have a charge. Just my normal stride. sudden charge oh, allows sorry. you to move fifty feet, right? Because um, your normal stride is fifty or twenty-five. Sorry. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Ridiculous. Yes. So so a sudden charge is stride <laughs> twice. That's fifty feet. Mm -hmm. If you stride. Even if you stride once to get 25 feet, then you still need another... Five feet. 
What's that? Right? Yeah, you would still need another five feet of movement to get to it. So you can rush all the way there with all three actions, but then you'll be you'll be five feet away from it at your maximum movement. Hmm. Your great axe doesn't have reach. No. Well. Yeah. I can't throw my great yeah. axe, but I could. I could. Is it putting it? I mean, you can, can throw your great axe. No, I should throw it. Okay. Yeah. Throw the great axe. You can throw anything. My sheet doesn't say that it's a thrown weapon, so I'm not gonna go break it. But you but, can do it. I mean, I don't know. It's fine. I'll allow it. Is it an action to put away and grab out a new? Sure is. Is it one action or two? Uh, it would be one action to put away, one action to draw. Oh, I or can't you do just anything. drop it. It's a lot of like really calculated moves for this super pumped up, raging yeah. barbarian. It's annoying. <laughs> it's really annoying. It is really annoying. Uh, <laughs> well, it's like I don't know balance. <laughs> uh, all I could do is run up to it. Hey, it's all you can do. You gotta get there. Yeah, I'll do it. Okay, I'll you get there. Rushing up towards it, you're five feet away. You almost get to it, uh, but it, it moves so fast. Slide. Um. Well, shoot. So it is now how far away from me? It's eighty feet away. Eighty feet away. Uh, okay, no, that won't work. 80, sorry, I, now I have to do math, which uh -oh. I wasn't planning on. Uh-oh, uh -oh, math. My sling has a 50-foot range. Okay. So that would take, I would need to move twice. To get within its range. Now, you can fire at things outside of your range, but there's just, you take that, that penalty for being up, like there's minus two penalty to your attack. Uh, okay, uh, it's a minus two penalty? Yeah. Okay. For every range increment that you... So I'm gonna move up one because it takes okay. one to load. Yep. So I'm gonna fire from there. So it'll 25 be minus feet away. two. So you move 25 feet up, you load a stone or a bullet into the mm -hmm. sling, and then you can fire just at a minus two penalty because you're okay. in range. Well, I'm gonna add an edge to it. So it's only minus one. And thanks to Odalie, I get to roll two dice. Ooh. Uh, man, they're not amazing, but uh, it's at a, so we said we're at a minus one. Yep. So that's gonna be a 17, that'll still hit. Yes. Will it? Will yeah, it? it'll hit. Yeah! All right, thank you, Odalie. Uh, making that happen. And so here is that D6. Five plus one uh, is going to be a total of six damage. Six points of damage, this thing gets blasted. By Sly from far away, it's still up, but it doesn't look healthy. And now it's Grace's turn. Yes. Uh, yeah. I want to go. So it's gotten fairly far away. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm probably gonna be in the same position. I, I'm gonna drop my sword, mm -hmm. pull my short bow, okay, and shoot at it. Fine. <laughs> The range on your short bow? Let's find out. That is a good question. Uh, 300 feet, Jim. Yeah, it's 300, 300 feet. Dang. Yeah, 325 feet to be exact. Ooh. That's impressive. 327, actually. Okay, you load here, Lab. That's, it's, you're right. You should load. Um, <laughs> it says on here. Is my short bow 60? 500. So it wouldn't be quite, as, quite far enough. So long bow is a 500. 
Short bow is 60 foot. Well, I could do I could do long bow instead. I honestly just picked it randomly. Okay. If that's okay. Um, <clears throat> so I can get out of this. All right. Yes, I'm going to shoot at it with my very, very sharp pointy arrows. Very sharp. She has the pointiest arrows. Pointiest. The pointiest of arrows. Pointiest of arrows. Um, so that is a 26. Okay. Well, I think that is. Okay, so, uh, I mean, you can roll damage, but okay, it's, sure. is that a critical hit, Jim? That's a critical hit. Yeah, no, it's actually it is. Yeah, it is. It is. It is one away from a critical hit. It's a critical hit, everybody. One hit point. So. No, 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 it's a critical hit. Yeah, it's a critical hit. I should definitely roll that D8, 5, and I, what do I Roll add? another one. I roll too. another one. Roll everything to it. Yeah, just keep rolling dice. <laughs> just just say, say dice. any number. There's say an any number you want. 246. Yep, it's still sure. dead. <laughs> because it had one hit point. This thing just ooh, drops out of the sky, skewered by another thing, very like a chop. Lots of chopsticks flying around. Uh, this voice. thing just falls boom, to the ground. You see, like its its weird glowing skin just sort of fizzles out. It shrivels up. We do. Quinton is standing there while these giant chopsticks sort of float in front of him, and he's mm-hmm. sort of tilting his head this way and that way as they as he sort of is articulating them with his mind, you know, making them move and open and close. Mm-hmm. He's just sort of lost in that, kind of moving them around and. Experience, kind of like this. This is this is new. Mm-hmm. Trying to understand exactly what it's doing, and that would go on for another forty seconds or so until. Quinden, don't eat it. I don't think it's healthy for you. You said they're lying on the ground, Jim. That's correct. Ribbled. I. Totally would like to run up and pull out her dagger and take a little um, sliver of their sliver. skin. Well, they are fairly small. Like, they're not very large. You could take the whole thing if you want to. You just stuff them in your <laughs> I guess I'll take the whole thing. Sure. Only I don't think you should eat it either. You I'm have... not going to eat it. Okay, good, good. Uh, I... Sly's gonna pull his badge just so anyone in the area is just like, H-E-I, everything's fine, everyone, don't worry. There's nobody here. Who <laughs> are you talking to, Sly? I'm, I'm sorry, I thought it was more crowded. Um, oh, more people should be around when we do this sort of thing. It's good for business. I agree. That's way more entertaining that way. Mm-hmm. When Zaka comes out of her rage, uh, she was already pretty like disappointed in herself from this morning, and mm-hmm. I think the fact that she did nothing yeah. She's just like really, really feeling a little disappointed. Sure. It hurts. It hurts. It's all right. They were intimidated by you. Uh, that's why I kept running away. What do you do? Oh, the bellows is quiet once more. Do we uh, know quite where it is we're supposed to go to find this kettle black? It's, uh, yeah, you know that you're actually forge? still looking for Underforge, which you know how to get to. You were just on your way there. Um, so why did these? This this is like is this an, this would be an unusual thing to have these. Yeah, things. you've never seen these things before. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Odalie had had said that they're void worms. You don't know what void worms are. Like this is nothing uh, you've seen. Do I know <laughs> what a void worm is? Worms he what, might. What was this? Uh, what kind of check? This was an Arcana check. Great. Gleam lore. 
Green larvae. Oh, we did say out loud during the fight that they're not usually on the material plane. Right, okay. Well, if it's Glean lore, it's uh, 14. If it's Arcana, it's 12. Uh, yeah, I mean, you basically know what, what Odalie knows at that point. The, you, you can recognize that these weird, and actually now that they're, they're deceased, you can see that their bodies, as she's like stuffing them into her, her bag, they're like covered in, <laughs> in strange designs that, that remind you very much of runes. Um, though they're clearly just natural like folds and creases in its, in its weird little flesh. Um, you know that these creatures, again, they, they, they tend to congregate where there is extreme, um, uncontrolled, chaotic energy. And as you're looking out across the city and you can still see that the destroyed tower of necromancy and seven towers is still just belching this purplish now flame. And as even as you're standing there and watching it, it very slowly like shifts to become more red and then into like a deeper blue. By the time you get done, the flames are now just green and shimmering. And these flames have been going on for days. For days. Nobody's been able to put them out because the uh, they're they're magically fueled. And it, it's not like you, you can't just dump water on a flame like this. Do we know what is, I mean, I know that the city is pretty much throwing a bunch of propaganda that everything's fine, everything's yes, cool. Yes. But do we have any idea what is being told to us, what is being done to contain the flames? Uh, you know that emergency crews right now are focused primarily on containing the spread of flames and making sure that it doesn't go anywhere else. The current uh, uh, sort of orders as you understand them is is you just have to let it burn itself out. There's no other way to to deal with a flame like that, um, especially because even approaching it can have such wild and unpredictable effects because it is it is a basically, basically it is a massive nexus for chaotic magical energy. Um, and we hadn't heard any reports of these worms before. No, this is the first you've seen or heard of this. These Lucky, are not like it's been spotted around the city. Lucky, have you ever seen these before in person? No, I've only read about. Yeah, me too. This is troubling. I kind of... Jim. Yes. All right, go ahead. Go for it. Oh, I was just going to ask, the uh, weirdness we felt with first casting spells, would we be able to roll in our cat check on that? What was happening? I will allow you to because you have spent a lot of time specifically studying the ash and, and like sp measuring it. And, and, and so uh, maybe there's some connection you can draw. Go ahead. Okay, 11 on the die plus seven is 18. 18, okay. Uh, thinking back to what you, what you were studying this morning and some of the readings you got that didn't make a whole lot of sense from Mesrick's uh, various implements and instruments you realize that what you observed around yourself and Quindon was very similar to some of what you observed this morning, where it seems like this strange, untyped magical aura that the ash emits, it, it's almost like it gloms on to other directed magic and 
you don't know what effect it has or if it has any effect, but it's almost like it, it, it attaches and whether it changes or empowers it, you, you don't know. But you know it is somehow drawn to other directed magic. Like the spells you were casting seem to, to have some almost like magnetic effect with this. Um, what that entails over time and what that really means for the spells you're casting, you don't know. Because you didn't, you didn't experience any change, but you saw a reaction. Okay. We have to keep moving. Yes, uh, I mean, there's nobody here. They seem to be just some sort of beasts. I don't know. Yeah, well, I think the thing that would be helpful to know is if they were targeting us or if it's just part of uh, random occurrence because of the city. But I don't know how we're going to know that. It seems like maybe part of your research, uh, Odalie. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep my eyes on it, but there's no way to know right now. Well, then I suppose we should move on. Yes. Okay. You move on. Before too long, you finally make it to the entrance of the underground city known as Underforge. The gates are sealed, but as you approach, dwarves in heavy gear wave you forward frantically. They let you into a huge antechamber where you are met by a robed dwarf who tells you to stop about 60 feet away from him. He says, arms out, hold still. He levels a wand at you. A moment later, there is this huge gust of wind that blasts the ash off of each of you. And as soon as it dies down, the dwarf waves you forward. All right, into through the gates, let's go. What was that? Now we're just trying to keep as much of that out of there as we can. Don't worry. I press forward. Okay. Uh, you get into Underforge. It is a remarkably spacious, well-lighted, and vibrant area. There, These are no dusty, cramped tunnels the dwarves and gnomes are living in. You can see that being underground has left this area of the city relatively untouched, despite the fact that it's so close to the blast zone from the Seven Towers explosion. People are seem to be moving about the streets, which is almost disconcerting at first because you've you're used to very very sparse movement in the city above over the last couple of days. But down here, people are going about life pretty normally. But you can also see that none uh, they've done a, a a an excellent job of keeping any of the effects from above from getting into that little slice of the underground here. Despite the fact that it is uh, underground, again, it is, it's very well lighted, like they keep uh, active light around constantly. Um, they actually, you know that they keep a cycle much like the cycle above. So there's actually like a day and night down here, but it's all artificial. Um, and they do their best to make sure that they they allow, they, they make people from the top side as comfortable as they can in the Underforge. So it's not, it's, it's actually kind of nice down here. It doesn't it's seem good. disrupted by what's happening No, it doesn't seem there. disrupted. Um, you notice that especially right around the entrance, again, like they they they, they stop, nobody's ever been stopped at Underford. Like this, the gates are almost never sealed. Like if that, it's all very strange. But once you actually pass through that, 
and get into the this. It's, it's like you're just being. It's almost like uh, being in one of those uh, uh, indoor markets at this point. There's just lots of people, and, and people uh, don't really seem to take notice of you. So uh, nobody all, like there. Nobody greeted us. There was no like customs we had to go through or anything. No, like no. That. I, there's always free passage uh, in and out of in and out of under underforge. It's literally just like another part of the city. Um, you do see that it's mostly dwarves and gnomes, but aside from that, there's really not much change. Now there was prior to the incident at Seven Towers, there were there were increased patrols throughout the streets, yes. right? Yes. Do I notice any sign of that down here? Uh, no, you haven't noticed. You don't notice really any. I mean, occasionally you'll see somebody uh, in a in an enforcement uniform. But it's actually probably less frequent right right now because they're not they're not assigning people to patrols right now. Everybody uh, who's on the city payroll is responding to the crisis above. So all we know is we're down here to find Kettle Black. Down here to find a, spe a specific gnome. You know she's a gnome. You know she's relatively famous. Uh, you don't know where she lives. Uh, you don't really know much else about her at all. Uh, unless anybody who has not made a society check wants to try to make one. Um, <laughs> see if they know anything about... I'll make another one, don't worry. <laughs> no, I already made anyone? one. It wasn't sufficient. Odalie, would you like to make a society check? Unless I can make an underworld lore check. Yeah, she already rolled the check. Yeah. Uh, underworld lore, yes. Go ahead and make one, um, just to see what you find. I'll throw an edge on this. Information is good. Uh, awesome. So that's 14 plus three plus my edge is uh, 18. 18 total. 18 total. You don't know where Kettle Black lives. You don't know her favorite spots down here. But what you do know is that Pockets has an informant down here. His name's Kite. And he frequents a spot known as the Dented Helmet. Mm -hmm. And it's there's a chance that uh, if you can, uh, if you pay him a little, he'll, uh, he might know what's going on down here, especially if she's making noise right now. He'd probably have a good idea of, of her whereabouts. Yeah. Uh, so I'll say that to the group. Well, now, I may not know where Kettle Black is, but I have an associate down here. Uh, we just need to go to uh, the Dented Helmet. It shouldn't but take a few minutes, maybe a coin or two, and our information is there. Great! There's also plenty of other people walking around. Why don't we try to ask? And by we, I mean you. <laughs> All right, well, I mean, from the sounds of it, uh, Cattle Black is pretty well known, so I would assume that we could find a few. Yes, but... Uh, those who may know may also want to protect her, especially with a group of adventurers and heroes walking around. Oh, you just threaten them. Hmm. Hmm. That like is that one uh, way to go about it. I think we start where at least I have an inkling that there could be information. Well, Sly, lead the way. I head to the Dented Helmet. Okay, you go to the Dented Helmet, which is actually a food joint. Uh, you head in, and there is just in the middle of the the floor, 
there's this big like barbecue pit with a spit, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a roasted pig that people just come and like cut hunks off of. And uh, you happen to know when that when that one's gone, they'll just replace with another. Like that's just constantly what it is. Um, you see the uh, the the dented helmet itself, the very object for which this this place is named is hangs above uh, the the sort of there's a there's like a uh, bar kind of it's not really they don't serve alcohol but where basically people or where you go to pay if you want to eat there mm-hmm. um, there is this shelf with a huge dented helmet on it uh, the man who purchased the dwarf who purchased this place and, and runs it used to be an adventurer mm. uh, but used his retirement to open this place and and sort of lives on the income from the restaurant now wonderful you find Kite himself is sitting uh, in a corner by himself, and he's uh, munching on uh, bits of uh, bits of pig. When you arrive, and he looks up at, at you and smiles a little bit. Says, "Up, oh, fly! Somebody Kite. told me you were dead." Yes, <laughs> yes, that rumor is going around. Uh, hope I don't uh, dishearten you to show you the opposite. No, that's fine. All right, uh, Kite uh, happened to be on the lookout for someone. Uh, that wonderful... Do you know that artist that did the piece? Have you heard of this? Up top yet? The Temple of Almond Car? And we all Young lean people? in real hard and not suspicious-like. <laughs> Have I heard of the artist? Well, that depends. Which artist are we talking about? Oh, what Could is Could be it? any number. Um, There's a lot of them. Kettle Black. That's oh, the yeah. one. Yes, I know her. Everybody knows her. Everybody's heard of her anyway. I don't know if you know her. Mean yes. customer. Mean customer? Well, yeah, well, I mean fiery, you know, fiery. I could understand that. She seems to have a passion about her that screams through her work, doesn't she? Yeah, Yeah. sure. You know, I don't really care for art, but you know, it is funny how mad everybody gets about it. Did you see that one time where she made the, that statue and the, the counselor? The counselor. It was rubbing up against the bank and it looked like he was, uh, yes. never had. People yes, got really was, up in arms uh, about that. Uh, uh, yes, uh, <laughs> that was uh, one to remember for sure. Uh, you do not happen to know where where she is about, do you? Oh, well, I mean, even if I knew something like that, as I said, fiery woman, I, I certainly wouldn't want to get around yes. that I was. Uh, of course, of course. And I, I do my little uh, finger trick with the silver uh, mm-hmm. as it's just dangling there. Of course, of course, I flip it to him. Mm-hmm. Information is wealthy. It is rich. It is rewardable. How much have you have you given? It was just the one. The one silver. The one? Was okay. just... He takes a look at it. He pockets, pockets it a million. as well, you know, I mean, yeah, but she's... She gets, she became really angry, really, really angry if she found out that I was telling anybody who was well, asking about her. Uh, I'd like to try uh, with that and a little bit of a smile for some diplomacy. Sure. Just this idea of like, I am discreet. We know each other. I would not. Sure. Go ahead and roll a diplomacy check. All right. Uh, I'm going to add, I think this is actually my last edge, but I'm going to add it to it because. It's important. Ooh, that's, um, well, who knows? Who knows what it could be? Uh, <laughs> let's see, is 13 good or bad luck? 13's not terrible. Mm-hmm. 13's not great. Uh, he's looking at you like, mm-hmm. I mean, that barely covers what I paid to get in here for lunch, so, you know. I lean over and push a gold 
scale oh, across he, the table, and I say, slaps his hand on the gold, <laughs> draws it off the table into his pocket. So yeah, she lives uh, over uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Diamond Lane and Mulberry. Well, that was easy. The next time I was going to push was a surge. Didn't even miss a beat as he tells you exactly where to find Kettle Black. What do you do? I go oh, there. Straight yeah. there. We go there. Okay. And I pound on the door. Ooh. Sure. So Whoa. Frighteningly aggressively. <laughs> you you get to to where you're going, um, and it looks like the spot that you've been directed to is a bust. You see that it just it's this narrow alley that runs for about sixty feet, ends in solid cavern wall. There's nothing here. Hmm. I don't believe that and actively disbelieve it. I actively disbelieve <laughs> it. Do you want to make a uh, perception check? Yeah, I'm going to make a perception check only because I know that we are specifically looking for an illusionist. And uh, yeah, so so Quindon, I would imagine you probably say, I actively disbelieve all of this. <laughs> and you begin running your hands Ooh. along the walls and you see you, you get to one spot where your hand actually passes into the wall. Uh, and as you sort of like wave your hand around, there's nothing here. Uh, and and slowly that that wall becomes very indistinct for you. Everybody else, you can all see this, but you can see his hand moving through the wall. Uh, and as it becomes very indistinct, you can sort of see that it is nothing more than an illusion hiding a little nook where there is a ladder that leads up towards a window. So this whole time, it does feel like Quindon is a lot more focused mm -hmm. or he's concentrating or just as people talk, he's very, he's very much kind of, so he, he looks at that and he looks back at her and he says, there's a, there's a ladder here. Uh, should we go up? Yes. Right. Yeah. What if I start climbing? Okay. <laughs> I grab his boot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What if... I flinch, actually, like, violently from yeah. that. I'm like, well, yeah, 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 yeah. We have a friend that can climb very easily and report back. Don't we, Odalie? In our little friend, Draven? Oh, I thought you were talking about me, because I can climb. Can Draven yeah, little. climb up and report back if our quarry is even here? I mean, he could, but I don't want to be danger like all right. If you think it's the best idea, we can do it. I think it would be less conspicuous than Quinn just climbing up the ladder. Uh, yeah, we came here to talk to her. Let's... I may, may not be seeing for? things entirely clearly right now, but I feel like we're being very conspicuous right now with me on this ladder and you pulling on my boot. Well, having just gone through her illusion. I would like to walk up to them, kind of scoot slide aside, and I'd mm -hmm. like to, if possible, just kind of pull Quindon down. I fall down to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and I start climbing up the ladder. Okay. I am not yeah. having it. Oh, you, <laughs> I mean, within, within, I mean, it's just a ladder. You get up there, you can see you're at the window. Um, through the window, you can see it, what looks like a small apartment. There are canvases, tarps, half-empty paint cans, and soiled brushes that litter the space. You see that there's a walk-in, uh, you see that like a kitchen area. Um, there are three other closed doors. You would guess that the one that's directly across, maybe that's like the door out into like a hallway. Um, and then there must be like two other little side rooms in this apartment. It's a very small space. Uh, cluttered is all get out. 
I would just, um, I'm hoping, I'm hearing my, my oh, I'd fellow. be right behind her. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, so then I would uh, probably wait for at least Grace or one other person sure. to get up there and I'd say, hello? Is anybody here? Do you think this whole thing is an illusion and this place is like way bigger? Ugh, magic users. There's oh. a cookie in my pocket. I pull that out and start <laughs> eating it. <laughs> Do you think that illusionists ever get confused about what's real? No. I'm just saying, like, maybe she's lost. Miss Black? You see, um, as you're, like, calling out, uh, one of the side doors, like, flies open, and this gnome steps into the room. She's got half, a half-shaved head, and the hair on the left side of her head is vibrant electric blue, and it falls mm -hmm. over her molten bronze eyes. She folds tattooed arms in unison and gives you a haughty look. It's staring at you through the window. She says, what are you doing here? Well, we're here for you, clearly. I mean, we got all the way up here. We're big fans. We're really big fans. Oh, right, yeah, big fans. Of your work. Um, we, we were sent here, though, and we do have a request that we hope perhaps you'll help us out with. Probably not. Mid mid bite between the cookie, I go. Did you tell her we're big fans? We did. Yeah, but also we've got lots of weapons. If you don't like the fan part. <laughs> okay. Uh, can I draw my great axe? <laughs> I'm backing up, Grace. Okay. We can slide. And can, can I intimidatingly pull out my I'm great still axe? Still on the ground. Uh, so am I. I mean, just a out of curiosity. Whilst <laughs> you are on this ladder, and you no, get I'm, your, I'm up. You know, you, so so there's a ladder and there's the window. Have you like, I, like as you far as I mean, you guys were at the window. I'm sorry, yeah. I was under the impression that I had already been inside of the apartment. I have oh. to crawl through the window you, or get you through would, a window. You would have to go through the window, yes, to do that, which you can do. I mean, it's a window. The glass is not exactly. I'd have to break the glass too. Well, I mean, you could try to. You haven't tried to open it. You just <laughs> you climb the ladder, and those are the only actions you declare. I'm sorry, so I didn't I assume any further. I didn't reach the top. That's I didn't assume you were bursting in, yeah. but you can. Ah, so, <laughs> so are we sharing the top of the ladder together <laughs> like this? Yeah. I also assumed. I actually assumed there was a landing and then the window. Yeah, that's that's. What, um, sorry. That's no, it's all good. Uh, yeah, I would think we we would at least go. Or maybe try to open the window so yeah. we could yell. We're not yeah, I mean, here yet. <laughs> if, you, if you try to open the window, like it opens, and okay. if you see Kettle Black, it's just like, what are you doing? All right, if she opens the window, I step in. Okay, you step into the, okay, now you are in the apartment. Um, Listen, we don't want any trouble. We just have a request as okay. we barge into your home. Here's my axe, my <laughs> sword. Listen, this whole not being a landing thing completely <laughs> threw off our game jam. Well, not to you, it threw my game completely off. So I had intended for us to use this as a way to do diplomacy as an encounter, which is something that you're able to do. Intimidation. In the game. So You're also able to do intimidation in the game you too. You are Jim. able to then, and this is a strategy. So here's how this works. Oh, you burst into the apartment as she's like, what is it that you absolute psychopaths want? <laughs> you can do on as a group, um, although half of your companions are still down on the street below. <laughs> Each round, you can make a perception check to try to determine like 
what will work best okay. for for dealing with her with Kettle Black. Every round after your perception check, pass or fail, you can make either a diplomacy, bluff, or intimidate check. Um, using the proper skill is a lower DC, where it's much di more difficult to use one of the other skills. However, using perception will help you determine which skill is going to be best. There's also an alternate skill that if you pass your perception check, you'll know. And that alternate skill might be something like a society check or a medicine check. Like it, it, there's a lot of different things you can do uh, that will help you. So so she demands to know what you're doing, especially now that you've stepped into her apartment and you're like threatening to draw weapons and uh, do this. Well, so that's, well, since you two are in the room, what, what was that? I'm sorry. We weren't threatening her until we we found out there was no landing. So no, no, no. You threatened before there was no landing. Yeah. 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 Either so way, either way you, have, you have broken entering. <laughs> She's clearly upset yes. about this. So yes. why don't you make a, since you are there to observe her, each of you can make a perception check. Okay. Eighteen. Okay. Uh, twenty-two. Twenty-two. So both of you determine that trying intimidation at this point is probably to, going to go very poorly. She looks like she's very on edge seeing you get through the door. You can tell that lying, she's probably pretty savvy and isn't is uh, isn't isn't really gonna fall for a whole lot. She's not really gonna believe whatever comes out of your mouth at this point because you, we again, broke have broke into her home. Right, right. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps diplomacy to calm her down would be a better option, or you could use society if you choose. Um, I'm gonna say to her, we we apologize. We don't, we don't mean to barge into your home. We don't understand magic and the type of illusions that you have used here. And um, we didn't mean to barge into your home, but we do have a request of you. And I know you probably don't want to oblige to a request, but. I'm sorry, just the idea that the windows confused you on how magic works. Can you not laugh while other people are playing? Thanks. <laughs> I'm gonna try. When it's so funny. You, you, you're and like I'm, trying I'm to calm trying her down. To, and I just go started. ahead, since you're the one who, who's who's taking the initiative, go ahead and roll a diplomacy check. Okay, that's a 10 plus two. And I'm gonna use my edge. No, you gotta declare it before. <laughs> oh, <crap. laughs> All right, well, that, you can 12. tell that she's a little standoffish and that you, you, but, but as you're talking, she seems to soften just a little bit. And rather than like scream for the guards or cast a spell or anything, she at least seems willing to, to figure out what the heck is going on. Maybe it's even just idle curiosity. But luckily, since you used the skill that requires the lowest check, <clears throat> you were successful. <laughs> I tell her I am She says, God. okay. She, le she seems to be eyeing the fact you've got this great action back, you've got the bows and the sword. She says, okay, wait a second. I, I know what's going on here. So so you're Tomas's lackeys. How very inspiring. Lackeys. You know, I, I have every right to criticize the church. They've secluded themselves in their golden palace while the people suffer like always. So if you think that I'm going to listen to you just because he sends a bunch of, of toughs and thugs to try to intimidate me into doing anything. You've got another thing coming. At this point, you can make another perception check. 
to see what you can see. You guys, too, if you want to start like getting up into the room, that's fine. Or you can just wait down below and see what happens. It's <laughs> totally up to you guys. 19. Uh, 19? 21. 21. So both of you, again, know that at this point, continuing diploma <laughs> diplomacy is probably a good idea. But you also notice that her, her anger and bravado might be a little false and perhaps applying a little pressure and trying to intimidate her might be a little more successful than before. Um, lies are probably still out of the question. However, you note that she seems to be very uh, concerned with the fate of, of the people that are not being serviced by the church. So perhaps uh, a medicine check, an attempt to convince her that people, uh, if, if the church is um, currently not helping people, if there was some way to convince them to do it and she could be a part of that, it might actually be in their best interest. Um, okay. I, I think Grace, in this instance of still kind of being new at some of this, would say, um, listen, I don't, I think what you did makes sense. Although it's quite bad luck to uh, deface a church like that. So you should be careful of what might be coming at you. But beyond that, we aren't lackeys and I resent that. Uh, incidentally, but we just are here to help. We are heroes for hire, basically, for the city, and we're just trying to help everyone out because you see, the people who do follow the church, it's quite upsetting to see something like that. You know how church people get, they get real offended easily by everything. And if you're wanting to help the town, you're actually kind of upsetting them. There might be a better way to go about it. Which skill are you trying to- Probably diplomacy in diplomacy that instance. Church? Yeah. All right. Again, you're fairly confident that that's your easiest bet. Uh, 13. 13, again, it's, it's, you're barely scraping by, <laughs> but you're scraping by. She seems to, again, still, she's listening. She's listening. She lets you have your say, and then she sort of crosses her arms again, and she says, well, what if I say no? So you're gonna, what, beat me into submission? No. You think you're the first group of armed thugs to ask me to take down my art? I'm, I'm, I'm not budging. I'm not scared. We're not, I make another point. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, Odalie would have climbed up. Okay, so yeah, okay. last last round, Odalie climbs up into the room and like sort of like pulled herself over. And did you see Kettle's just like, what, there's more of you? This is ridiculous. <laughs> of course, no, so what? You're just gonna gang up on me and beat me up if, if I don't if I don't play along? Uh, and now everybody who's oh, in the space can make a perception check to see how best to proceed. <laughs> would, oh, Ooh, well. that's a 10. I got an eight. An eight? Okay. You are not quite certain. What was that? 19. 19? 19. Okay. Uh, you know that at this point, perhaps reminding her that she is outnumbered and outmatched is the key to gaining her cooperation. You would guess that this is not the time for soft tactics, so diplomacy would be out. And you know that perhaps, um, uh, yeah, the, the alternate skill that you could use would be Arcana for this one. Mm. I think with this knowledge, Odalie looks her dead in the eye and says, oh, yes, you're all matched. I've got these girls with me. They've got their bows and swords and great axes. But they would not need that if you don't go along with us because uh, I don't know those. And I'll have Graven climb up onto his shoulder. Okay, all so right. I'll get her as well. Which skill did you want to use? Intimidate. Intimidation, Ooh. all right. Throw your weight around a little. Okay, 15 on the die plus three is 18. 
18. You can see that as she's looking around now and her shoulders kind of slump, she says, you know what, you know what, this this isn't worth it. You know, if if this is how it's gotta be, fine, I'll go. I'll I'll do whatever it is that you need me to do. Fine. What do you do? We say, I say thank you. There are other ways to help people. And I know that sometimes making someone laugh can be helpful, especially in these dire times. I know that better than anyone performing in the Riven Wing Arena, but sometimes it's just about doing something for the greater good. And you, by accepting this, are doing that. Thank you. I don't know what you're talking about laughing. I don't see how anybody can look at what's going on and laugh. If anything, your illusion, angry, your illusion. Some... Was it meant to be funny? Oh, well, then maybe it didn't quite work. Right. Cause there was some laughing. Whatever. He Did you tell her I laughed at it? Uh, also our companion down there laughed at it. Whatever. You don't understand art. Just give me a moment to get my things. All right. Uh, I, I also want to just like kind of punch uh, uh, Odily in the shoulder and be like, good, good job, I like yeah. that. Oh, sorry. Odily takes five <laughs> points you. of damage and passes out. She is dying too. Oh my god, it's <laughs> It was a critical hit. What can I, uh, I, I After thanking Odily, because I definitely want to make sure I do that, I don't want to take my eyes off of, off okay. of her. Okay, sure. Um, so, so she, she like goes back into the room that she came out of and, and you kind of like steps yeah, so you can see what yeah. she's doing. Uh, and she notices that you're doing this and just rolls her eyes as she gathers up like a little jacket and uh, you know, there's some supplies and puts them in her pouch. Like, whatever, I'm coming, okay? You don't have to beat me up or whatever you're sent here to do. I lean over to Sly and I say, and I hold out a, a silver talon to him because we're down on the ground and yeah. I hold a silver talon. I say, Silver Talon, Zakad name dropped Rivenwing Arena. Two <laughs> <laughs> uh, says uh, Odily used Draven. <laughs> I'm not taking that back. <laughs> Just to give you any trouble, she goes over to the to the window and she says, "Okay, let's go." After you, you guys. I mean, uh, is there a front door to this place? <laughs> Is it just the window or is there a front door? Yeah. Uh, there, there is a door. Uh, you have it. You don't know where the front entrance to this building is, but it does seem like she comes in and out through the window. I mean, like she just steps up to the window and is like, like ready to go. <laughs> Hello, lady. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> she just like comes down, looks down at you, and shakes her head. Gets down to the to the by. Everybody sort of reconvenes down in the alley. Head off back to the church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She offers no resistance as you escort her back to the sacred workshop. When you reach the fog down streets, you find that the crowd around the temple has dispersed. The war priests still stand vigilant on the temple steps. Kettle scoffs in disgust at seeing this. Look at these dogs protecting their precious temple instead of the people it's supposed to serve. How can you stand to work for them? Well, one, we don't work for them. We work for the people. We weren't, we're not being paid by Tomas. We're not even, at his whim, we just, we do care for the people and they love this place. And if maybe you spend a little less time focusing on your illusions and your artwork, maybe you would notice that the people also love this place. 
So go ahead. Nothing. I just I, I mention I, I as we're walking after Zakat finishes, I say, you know, I was in Cavalosha once and I saw Farron's artwork. He he didn't have the same touch that you have. Well, he was a hack. <laughs> yeah, but he did. You know, you do have a finer hand at this, but he did hit on one thing that I thought was important, which was he never capitalized on a crisis. When there were times of need, he knew that it wasn't time that the people needed more chaos. They needed something stable to, f to fall behind. And I, I know that you're not a hack. You're in fact much, much more talented than he is, but I think maybe there's a lesson to be learned there. You get to the top of the temple stairs and you find the woman who was with uh, Foreman Tomas, who greets you so. I see you found our little artist friend. Foreman Tomas is going to be very happy. I believe he's in the ward caring for a patient. Would you like to go and report in? We can stay out here and deal with this, if that's okay with you, Miss Black. She just sort of rolls her eyes. Sounds good to me. Sure. Okay. Totally. After you. Okay. Um, she actually leaves Kettle outside and, and leads you in. So I'll, I'll I'll take you to where he's where he's doing his work. Um, getting inside the workshop, you see that it is much like. I mean, you probably some of you have probably visited this area before. There it is. It literally looks like a workshop. Instead of lines of pews, uh, you see like workbenches where where things are created. Uh, you see shelves of tools uh, that are free for community use in the best of times and the worst of times. Uh, though it is does seem relatively empty now. They're they're despite the fact that the crowd is dispersed, and she mentioned him working on patients, you don't see, like, it's not like they let those people in here, clearly, because they're not here. Um, you are led through the temple until you come to a door marked as a patient ward. And as you're standing there, the foreman who's leading you is about to knock on the door when you hear a sudden violent commotion from inside that crescendos with a scream of pain and terror. The foreman stops her eyes wide and eyes wide and says, Foreman Tomas? The glass panel on the door is suddenly darkened by a spray of dark crimson. Blood flows down the glass on the opposite side of the door. The foreman in front of you begins backpedaling away, clearly like blood drained from her face, completely shocked, leaving you standing there. What do you do? I can draw my sword. Draw my great yeah. axe. I cast shield! You cast shield. <laughs> <laughs> Odalie? Uh, I'm going to prepare Forbidding War. Okay. What do you guys do? You hear now this like crunching sound and a, a ship's like a sudden like crash of furniture maybe and splintering wood yeah. from beyond the door. I'm going to kick the door and just yell, Zika! Yep. You kick the door open. You see chaos and carnage. There are two rows of beds on either side of the room. Many of them are overturned and covered in red stains. Weird puddles of fleshy ooze dot the floor, and the rumpled clothing on each of them gives you the sickening impression that those puddles are, or were, people, now melted into these weird amorphous blobs. 
The worst of it, though, is a creature hunched over the bloody, broken form of Foreman Tomas. It is vaguely humanoid, but its flesh seems to constantly shift and flow over its form. Its arms are long and rubbery, tipped with bloody claws, and it opens a distended jaw to take a bite out of the dead priest before it notices you, freezes, and just slowly lowers the corpse to the floor. And we will pick this up next time. No! Yes, we've come to the end of our episode. But I want to smash things! But can't just yet. Oh, I wasn't able to use any of my things. <laughs> things to use. But that does mean that those will get piled into some extra hero points mm -hmm. for next time, which you may need. Uh, we will see all of you when next we stream. Of course, you can always join our Discord and chat with us anytime, because we're always on there. Uh, I don't know. I think I think that's it. Stay, stay safe. Stay healthy. Uh, make sure that you're washing your hands. Yeah. Gotta wash your hands. Yes. Wash your hands and use hand sanitizer all the time. Don't touch uh, Keep your loved ones safe as well. We will be back on Friday if we can. And if we can't, rest assured that we will still be around and we love all of you. So thank you very much <laughs> for all that you do, <laughs> keeping us sane in these crazy times. We will we'll see you at some point, uh, probably Friday. Bye-bye, Tech, get us out of here. Thank you so much for listening. I hope to adventure with you soon on a live episode of Dragons and Things Vantum at twitch.tv slash the dat network. If you enjoyed the immersive sounds and music you heard during the game, don't forget to download the Sirenscape app for free. Use the link in the description to let them know Dragons and Things sent you. And hey, everybody, have a great day.